operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. Welcome back to Conflict Revolution Podcast. As always, I am Rock by my side. The Robert Wagner to my Natalie Wood. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> well, if something happens to you, don't call me because I didn't do it. Because <laughs> you didn't do it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend. As always, you can check us out at uh, comicbookrevolution.com for the latest news, reviews, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You can check our Facebook page, Comic Book Revolution Facebook page. You can check us out on Twitter at CB Revolution. You can check mm-hmm. me out on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution, Stephen Yu. And you can find me at President Glover on Twitter. <laughs> All right, my friend. This week, we have mm, a wonderful selection of comics. Unsurprising, unsurprisingly, Stephen, it looks like one, two, three, four, five out of the six comics, Stephen, have a number one on the cover. Who would have thought? Yeah. (laughs) That sometimes can be a good thing, and sometimes it can be a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah. One might might think. Well, from the House of the Mouse, Stephen... Mm -hmm. We get X-Men number six, our only non-number one issue for the week. <laughs> we get, Stephen is just, why do you hate me? Uh, <laughs> we get Nebula number one. Mm. Who was asking for that comic? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. The same people asking for the next one. <laughs> Gwen Stacy number one. Mm, there you go. <laughs> why? <laughs> and then from DC, Stephen. Mm-hmm. We get Superman Heroes number one, mm-hmm. a.k.a. this is not a cash grab. <laughs> we get Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey mm-hmm. book one, and this is from the DC Black Label, Don't Call Us Vertigo imprint. Nope. <laughs> and then we finish it up with Green Lantern season two number one mm-hmm. by my boo Grant Morrison. That's right. All right, let's start over at the House of the Mouse, shall we? Let's just kick it off. What the hell? Why not? Nebula number one. Okay. <laughs> Steven's like, yes, that issue happened. <laughs> and I did, in fact, read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All these things are true. <laughs> okay, well, Stephen, this, this fine, fine issue is brought to us, the words by Vita Ayala, mm-hmm. and the art by Claire Rowe. The colors by Mike Spicer. How did they miss, that, Stephen, the opportunity to have a clean sweep of only female uh, creative team? Mike had to go screw the pooch on that one, didn't he? Way to go, Mike. Good job, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Anyhow, <laughs> Nebula number one, Stephen. We start out in space at some random space station. And a scientist is there with his little eight-year-old daughter, and there are some guards there. And Nebula shows up. She starts killing all the guards, smacking around this little eight-year-old girl, and goes to the scientist and says, hey, you've created this new what's-a-mahoodle. Mm-hmm. And this what's-a-mahoodle is, um, evidently has the ability to see the future, Stephen. 
right? And he wants, uh, Nebula wants this uh, doctor to integrate his new can see into the future technology into Mm -hmm. her cybernetics, right? Right. And the scientist is like, it doesn't really work that way. And she's like, do it or I kill your daughter. Okay. And evidently, what's great is, so in this scene, you basically see her grab the little girl by the hair mm-hmm. and carry her over, drag her into the lab, and then throw her at the dad, right? That's what right. you see. That's all you see. But she reveals that somehow, some way, Stephen, she put a bomb inside the kid that she injected around her brainstem. Mm-hmm. You don't see that. No. You don't even see when that possibly could have happened, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. And you, and you see from the very second that, that Nebula comes across the girl. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're going to do that, at least show it. Right. It's kind of basic storytelling, Stephen. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, the dad wants to obviously save his daughter. Mm-hmm. So he decides to integrate it into Nebula, and he integrates into her, and of course she's all like, oh no, this, uh, <laughs> and the all-seer system is, is the name of the technology. Right. It's, it's kind of drives her a little crazy. Right, it's a lot to take in. Sensory overload. Yep. Basically, uh, but we can see that uh, now everything that she sees through her one cybernetic eye that she has, her left eye, right. now the probabilities of success appears for everything. So if someone attacks her, you see you see the probability of success with the various weapons on that person. Mm-hmm. And if she's going to attack someone else, you see her probability of success rate based on where she attacks that person. Is that a fair right. representation of what it is? Yeah. Okay. I would say so. So, she's about to kill the daughter mm-hmm. of the scientist because she's dealing with the all-seer, you know, adjusting in her brain. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in walks this new character, Stephen. I don't know who it is. Maybe you've heard of this character. But it is some, I don't know, some character called Devos, mm-hmm. the avatar of balance for the universe. Okay. Okay. Uh, long and short, he's here to take Nebula in. Mm-hmm. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. <laughs> and uh, there you go. she fights him, and you know the All Seer is giving her success rate with each attack. You know where to attack, whatever to attack. I love how his weak point in his armor. Right, mm-hmm. she shoots at his shoulder pad, his left shoulder pad, and he goes, "You managed to identify the weakness of my armor. Impressive." Mm-hmm. But. Your left shoulder pad is the weakness of your armor. Yeah. Your left shoulder pad that looks identical to your right shoulder pad mm-hmm. in every possible way yep. is the weak point of your... This heavily fortified, mm-hmm. heavily armored shoulder pad, Stephen, mm-hmm. is the weak point of the... What? Yeah. Oh, not any of these little joints in between his armor, Stephen, that aren't armored at all. Those aren't the weak points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so we get an uninspired fight between the two. Yep. And by uninspired, I think I'm probably being generous. And ev- evidently, he, the, the, this avatar of balance gets the upper hand on her, on Nebula, takes her down, kicks her butt, and then she finally uses the all-seer to realize if I shoot this pipe that's behind him, mm-hmm. it'll crash on his head and then knock him out and I can make my run away. Yeah. So it's kind of like Domino now. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. That is correct. And so she makes a run for it, and there's a she runs by a guard she's already shot, who's like, uh, stop. And she shoots him again. Mm-hmm. And then takes off in her little shuttle, crash lands on a planet, and is found by some random person mm-hmm. local on this planet. And the local person is like, hold on, I'll get you some medical help, stranger. Can mm-hmm. you tell me who your name is? And Nebula goes, I I don't remember. That's the end of the issue, Stephen. Yep. Nebula number one. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Well, Rock, what I can tell you <laughs> yes. is that there were certainly words. Yes. And art. Yes. And things allegedly occurred. Yes. And <laughs> and that's my thoughts. Oh, that's, no. that's yeah. I um uh, but to to be oh, to be no. serious, to be a, a real <laughs> professional here. Um I uh I I don't know who asked for this, but I hope it was worth it. <laughs> because um first of all, uh th- this is a nebula who I don't like no, she's a jerk. You Just get the put, you, it, put it low. You get the it, movie version of Nebula, not the comic book version of Nebula. Let's put that out there first and foremost. This is the movie. It, this is well, set in the six one six universe, but this is right. more the movie version than the comic book version. The movie before all the character development. Correct. Yes. Yes. Correct. Because I was like, you're really gonna go with the Nebula that people don't like the one that was that was kept trying to kill Gamora and whatnot before right. she became like a decent person. Yes. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And um yeah, and I I mean I just don't know. It's um you're not really gonna endear me to your character by having them threaten a child. No. It's uh Or shoot someone who's already been shot. Yeah. Um it's it um it kind of, it turned me off of uh, Walter White on Breaking Bad when he poisoned a child. Yes, and uh, it definitely didn't endear me to to her right out of the gate. And that's the very first thing. I mean, literally yes. the opening scene, she is slapping this kid around and threatening to kill him. Yeah, and um, it's hard to walk that back when that is your protagonist. Yes. And some amnesia thing is not really going to... That's not an excuse. Yeah. That's not an excuse. You having amnesia is not an excuse for what you did. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, there are plenty of anti-heroes, Stephen, that are popular. Oh, yeah. Let's take the Punisher, for example. Mm -hmm. But the Punisher is still attacking bad guys. Yeah. Right? He has a code. He has a code. Who he will and will not blow to bits <laughs> right and he's attacking bad guys yeah. and he's not slapping kids around or threatening to kill them mm-hmm. uh, dr doom that'd be another villain who is popular and has his own comic or has yeah. had his own comic again he uh first of all has a personality well yeah that which nebula doesn't that's have that's also important he has a personality <laughs> and he also doesn't smack children around yes so each it's, it's to your point Yes. But what you were saying, yeah, go and, continue, um, sorry. And, and like that, I was thinking, I mean, my, my gold standard for like anti-heroes that you'd still like, even though they're terrible people are, is a uh, Tony Soprano. Oh yes. Is, oh hell yeah. 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 Who, you know, and, and just some people in the mob in general, you like them because right. even though they are objectively bad people, they're compelling. 
they're compelling and they have a code like this is yes. what I won't do. There's right. honor to it. Right. There's right, right, all right. this other stuff. This yes. Tropes, everybody loves that. Yes. Agreed. Um, as, but Nebula comes across as a, um, uh, a, a just brutish, just a um, punk, a punk. Yeah. Some, uh, um, just totally out for herself, which I mean, there's plenty of antiheroes that are like that point out for themselves. I mean, Star Lord was like yes. that for a while, but he had charisma. Yeah, he had a charisma. He had real personality. Yeah. He had a line. Yeah, that he wouldn't cry. I'm like, yes. I'm, I understand. You know, if you want to take have a redemption story for a villainous character, you got to show them being bad, but you don't got to show them being this bad, right? You know? It's hard to walk it back. Yeah, and. After and then, puzzlingly enough, after showing half of an issue of her being in control, being like "I'm the tough guy," she gets completely demolished, slapped around. Even after being "quote unquote" upgraded, upgraded. Yeah. with this technology, this all seer technology that should pr- make her essentially unbeatable, yeah. mm-hmm. unbeatable. Yeah. <laughs> now that made me laugh because it. Like the display for that, it looks like that um that targeting system from Fallout Three, the Vats, where you can pick the little body parts you yes. see and it has the percentages. Yeah. Yes. I was like, oh, yes. that's kind of that's kind of cute. Yes. But um, yeah, it didn't work, and no. so I'm just like, okay, so there's, so there was really no point in the first half. Of the you could have just started with her what? getting her butt kicked and having right. this upgrade, and not going into oh, it's the most dangerous thing in the universe and blah 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 blah. But how do you seriously upgrade a character and then have him get butt kicked? Yeah. How does that happen? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense from a storytelling standpoint, no. from a fight psychology standpoint. No. That makes no sense. <laughs> the big power upgrade happens after they get the butt kicked. Yes, exactly. Because if, if you give them the big power upgrade the, and they get demolished, the, the reader just goes, well, wow, even after a massive power upgrade, you still get demolished? Mm-hmm. You just suck. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, <laughs> what? Yeah. So she's unlikable. She's a loser now. Yeah. And um, and she's a punk, and yet they. I I'm, I just don't find that very compelling, you know. No, it's just, and it's it's just written in such a bad. I don't know who this Devos or whatever character is. Never um, heard of him. Never heard of him. He has no personality either. Zero. Dude is he, vanilla as they come. Yeah, except that he repeats that he is the avatar of balance. Yes. Avatar balance. I mean, Avatar balance. I'm like, okay, I, I get I, I, it. Yeah, I got it the it, first time. Yeah, it wasn't that complex of, of a concept <laughs> in the first, but he, you don't have to, you just repeat it over and over ad nauseum at me. Yes. He, and, I mean, he, he, look, he looks cool. He's right. He's got a cool design to, yes. the, to the outfit, I guess. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's just, but the biggest problem with the issue to me is that it's just nothing happens. You have right. the one thing right at the beginning. Yes. And then it just feels like a bunch of nothing. Yes. Lots of just, oh, yeah, we're just pat it out. Pat Absolutely. Pat it out. It's, it feels like um, the, basically the idea was, okay, well, what do people like? Well, they like action. They <laughs> like danger. They like, <laughs> right. um, they like sci-fi stuff. Right. Okay, we'll just shove it all in there. It's like, but but I don't have any good idea. It was just, I don't care. Just shove it in there and make it work somehow. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like it it's literally checking off a list of mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and not making it work well. And well, speaking of checklists, because we like to talk about first issue things, what they need to do. Yes. Um, 
I don't know what the point of this title is supposed to be. I don't know who it's aimed aimed at. Mm-mm. I don't know. Um, it's not compelling. Mm. What kind of title is going to be? What kind of title is it? It it has it differentiated itself from other titles, right? I, I, um, other than having a protagonist who abuses children, right? Great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's just it's just nothing. Yeah. It's literally just it's it's they killed those trees for nothing. Yes, <laughs> I, I, and that, I completely agree with you, Stephen. From from a from a, a a plotting standpoint, there there is no there's nothing here. This is an empty issue. There is no here here. There is zero substance to the story. Yep. This is as thin and shallow of a story as they come, Stephen. Mm-hmm. There's no story here. Yeah. There was no there was no substance at all mm-hmm. for the reader to get into. How many plot lines were installed, Stephen? <laughs> One. Uh, she's crash landed. Yeah, man, she has amnesia. Done. There you go. That's it. I mean, what? How many supporting characters were established? Mm, None. No, because I, I, th- I think she killed that guy, didn't she? Devos or whatever? I thought so. I we don't so. know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just... Wh- it, I don't know. Normally, number one issues, they, they want to install multiple plot lines. Right. Long-range plot lines, short-range plot line, immediate plot line, immediate, uh, you know, immediate antagonist, immediate threat. You know... You want to? This doesn't do anything. This right. was. This is. There's nothing here mm-hmm. at all. It is pure fluff. I mean, I finished the issue and I'm like, why did? Yeah. What was the point? What was the point of this issue? Yeah. Other than just take up space. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how shallow the story is, yep. and it, there's not there's no creativity to the story either, Stephen. There's it, it all feels so rote. Doesn't it? I oh yeah, my hundred percent. I mean, it's almost like someone got a you know a comic book writing for dummies and then wrote this <laughs> comic book. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it it feels so. It's just zero creativity to it. Mm-hmm. It is so boring. Yep. It is so bland. Yep. And the, there's no character work anywhere to be found in here. Nope. Nobody has a personality. This Devo's guy is as generic. Mm-hmm. He is. As we say, tap a bowl of tapioca pudding. <laughs> Nebula is as equally generic, yeah, and yet still totally unlikable, yeah. but not in an enjoyable way. No, like, you know, sometimes Magneto can be unlikable, but you just love him. Yep, right. Doctor Doom can be unlikable, but you love him. Oh yeah, she's just unlikable, like the, the kind of like go away unlikable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're just boring and unlikable. Yeah, that's that's a real sin. Uh. So there's nothing there about her. There's no character work. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to get you excited. The dialogue is just bleh. Yeah. It just feels very just bland. It's just the whole thing. Just mm-hmm. It's not good writing, yeah, Stephen, from not. any standpoint. From any standpoint, it's not no. good. This is not good writing at all. Yeah. And I get Marvel really wants to... Try to pull from a wide range of writers, but they they gotta hire people, Stephen, first who know how to write comic books first mm-hmm. and foremost. That's got to be a requirement. Yeah, I don't care who they are, where they come from. They, they got to know how to write superhero comic books first and foremost, or it's just not gonna work. Yeah, you're sa- it's just not gonna work. It's bad. It is. It's very bad. <laughs> you know. Well, it's 
I think the car, like the biggest sin anything can commit, at least to me, like a, a media product, is that is just being boring. Yep. And this is boring. It's boring. And it's bland. Drunk. There's nothing unique about it. There's nothing special. There's nothing that stands out. Even I mean, we've read plenty of bad comics oh, yeah. that had something that at least made us laugh. Rob Liefeld's uh, was it Major, uh, Major X? X? <laughs> yeah, which. <laughs> Just which defied all logic. It did. It almost. It was so bad. It, it be, almost became, almost good, became again, good again. Or, again. <laughs> yeah. Which I I had the feeling that was I, like that was if it, awesome. it has like an intentional kind of vibe, but there's no way that no. he's self aware enough no. to do that. No. Um. Or that that one Avengers story, the end of the uh the thing with the Grandmaster. Yes. Which was so bad. Yes. 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 Um. And, he, and that extends everything. Like I love I love bad movies so much yep. um i love bad tv shows sometimes too but you know what the, it's if something is boring and no. doesn't make me feel or doesn't make me register anything it yeah. might as well have just not have been made i agree totally so. um i wasn't a big fan of claire rose artwork i didn't think it was very good at all looked very amateurish to me looked kind of messy and lacked detailed and just i thought it was very not the quality that you expect from a marvel comic book in my opinion i didn't like it yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. It was just like, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right, it's there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How would you grade Nebula number one? Um, I will give the writing a two because it's still not the worst thing I've ever read in my life. But, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that candid compliment right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art, I'll just I'll give it a five. It's not. I I was right in the middle on it. I was like, eh, okay. It doesn't offend me. Right, right, right. But it doesn't excite me either. Agreed. So. I'm very close to you, actually. The writing, I'll give two, two Night Girls out of ten. The art, I'll go a little bit less, four Night Girls out of ten. Okay, but that's fine. largely very similar. I don't know who this comic is being written for. I don't know who I'd recommend this to either. Uh, there's just too many other really good comic books worth your money. Yep. Already on the market, honestly. Mm-hmm. Way better. Absolutely. Spending your money. And these things aren't cheap, so no. you got to be picky. No. Um, <laughs> all <Absolutely>. right. <laughs> Gwen Stacy, number one, my friend. This is brought by, I'll be quite frank with you, a creative team that I do like. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake. Yeah. I like this creative team. Christos, K, uh, Christos Gage, mm-hmm. writer. Todd Nock is the artist. Yep. Rochelle Rosenberg is the colorist. Mm-hmm. And in this one, Stephen, you begin with Gwen Stacy at high school. She's running for president. She gets sexually harassed by a football player, of course. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a checklist moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harry Osborne also goes to her high school. Mm-hmm. And their high school is standard high school. Uh, right. So uh, Peter is at a rival high school. Mm-hmm. We know that because one of the football players talks about how the other high school has this stud quarterback, Flash, Flash Thompson, Thompson, who is yeah. impossible to tackle and blah, 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 blah. Yep. Anyhow, we see Gwen uh, going home from school while she's walking home. Oh, no. We see the bad guys. You know who I'm talking about, Steven. Mm-hmm. You see Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it? Uh, uh, Ox. Mm-hmm. And who is the other one? Oh, I can't. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I can't remember either. Daniel, Dan, Dan, something, Dan, something, something Dan, big yeah. Dan, maybe yeah, something like that. So they're classic Spider-Man mm-hmm. villains. Yep. Anyhow, uh, Gwen goes home, makes some dinner for her dad, who's always working, then goes to the police station and dad has dinner. She has dinner with him. She does her homework. But at the same time, she's decides she's going to help her dad with 
a gang he's trying to bust, the Lucky Lobo gang. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 funny. I, I kind of like how it's, <laughs> you know, forced diversity. At least Christos Gage, while he's delivering forced diversity, that doesn't make sense because criminal gangs, especially organized crime, right. is absolute. I mean, I've done enough criminal law and, and anyone's read the news knows – Organized crime is absolutely broken down among ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, if you have an if you have a mafia, damn sure they're all going to be Italian. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, the Russian mob, they're all going to be Russian. Yeah. They're all going to be Russian. End of story. Yeah. The triad, that's all yeah, Asian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's just Yakuza these. These are just, all Japanese. Right. It's, these are just certain things that that are going to MS thirteen. They're all Latin. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just these are just. I can't change yeah, these things, and it's, and it's like, <laughs> and if you've heard of anybody who isn't like Italian or whatnot, that's because they were like big deals, like right, um, Richard Kuklinski mm-hmm. or the, the the Irishman. Yes, you know, like yeah. because they did some pretty messed up stuff right. to get in there. That's right. why you know who they are. <laughs> right. So this Lucky Lobo gang, you have uh, Nick the Greek, Greek guy. I wonder who that is. Uh huh. You have Angelo Calabrese, as your standard Very issue, classic Italian mafia guy, <laughs> and then James Wong. Okay, and it, it, Gage even has you know uh, has Gwen say, "Hey, kudos to, to Lobo for diversity." <laughs> you know, so it, but you could probably avoid it. But just you know, it's it, it it's it's a criminal gang. It, I think everybody in the world knows it's it's okay. You're not going to offend anyone if the criminal gang is all whatever. It's fine. It's it's okay. <laughs> But at least she said something. Anyhow, sure. she helps him uh, get a, a step up on on his little trying to figure out which of these three guys is about to make a move to take over the gang, right? Mm-hmm. And she shows off essentially her intelligence and her insight and her ability to crack a case. Mm-hmm. All right. She then leaves the police station to go home, gets picked up by her boyfriend, who is uh, also a football player. He's mm-hmm. the one who talks about Flash Thompson from uh, Midtown High right. being unstoppable. And we see the two of them go to a library. And in the library, Stephen, who do you see in the background? You see Peter, Peter Parker, Parker. Yep. studying what? Advanced adhesives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was good. <laughs> I like that. So then we cut to uh, uh, Captain Stacy going to meet with the bad guys, mm-hmm. right? He's, on, he's, he's, he's doing his little operation. And uh, things go sideways. He's, uh, mitten, he's meeting with um, uh, Nick the Greek. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets shot in the leg, and uh, and uh, the police roll in there, his backup roll in there, and they're like, what's going on? They see that Nick the Greek has been shot. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it looks like, say, so Stacy's saying he was shot, right? right. And then dropped to the ground. And there was somebody else Somebody was there. else was there. That mm-hmm. person shot Nick the Greek, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's all set up to make it look like Stacy shot Nick the Greek first. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to protect all of the people on the force who are corrupt. Right. Right. So. Not good. <laughs> not good. So then we see Gwen at, at Captain Stacy's bedside in the hospital. And on the TV in the hospital, Stephen, we see a news report. Ben Parker being remembered by family and friends. Yeah. Memorial in Queens, New York. Mm-hmm. Again, nice. So we know this takes place right around Peter getting his powers and becoming Spider-Man. Right. Anyhow, uh, long and short of it is we see um, we see uh, uh, Montana uh, at the hospital as an, as a nurse 
wheeling Stacy away for some tests and mm-hmm. basically tells him, hey, look, if you, uh, if, uh, uh, if you don't take the deal as being a deal offered, if he takes the rap that he shot first, mm-hmm. then uh, he can, you know, get, he'll lose his rank, but he won't go to jail. Right. And he wants to fight it. He wants to hire Nelson and Murdoch. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, Stephen, yeah. Gage make, goes out of his way to mm-hmm. name drop, all, to make sure you know this is in the 616 universe. Yep. A lot of name dropping of all these various superheroes. Oh, world. yeah. Absolutely. And so, anyhow, Montana shows, uh, we see that Ox is um, there. And uh, you know, Gwen's trying to get something out of the vending machine. Ox hits it, goes, here you go. Because it got stuck. Yeah. He hits it, falls out, she gets it. And the implication that Montana's making is, uh, hey, if you don't want us to kill your daughter, right, you won't fight the charge. Mm-hmm. Okay? You'll take the rap. Yep. Essentially. Mm-hmm. All right. So Gwen, uh, Gwen Stacy's dad, of course, is now mulling that mm-hmm. that that avenue because he wants to save his daughter. Yep. We then cut to Gwen hanging out with Harry Osborne and her boyfriend. And Gwen's like, if my dad won't fight to to prove his innocence, then I will. Bum bum bum. And then we cut to a mysterious location where uh, crime master. And Green Goblin are hanging out, and they're saying that Lucky Lobo's gang has now been crushed mm-hmm. because of Nick the Greek's murder, and that Stacy's been disgraced, and his allies in his department are tainted too, mm-hmm. and now it's time for them to make their move. Mm-hmm. To be continued. That's the end of the issue, Stephen. Yep. What'd you think of Gwen Stacy number one? Well, um... <laughs> It was definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Yes. I was expecting something a little more, I don't know, bland and, um, well, okay, a little more, like, (laughs) bland than what it was. Right, right, right. And very, hey, I'm an old white guy writing for teenage girls. (laughs) Here's a little <laughs> reference yes. iPod thing. Yeah, you, you know the Buscemi on uh, SNL. Hello, yes. fellow children. <laughs> um, yes, and it, I'm kind of at a awkward spot with this one because uh, this is not for me. No, um, I don't think it was written poorly. No, I like the art. Oh yeah, Todd Knock is awesome though. He's great. Um, it's just it's one of those things. It's it it's something I have with prequels where it's like, first of all, why? Why? That's that, that's my biggest thing. Why? Yeah. Why? It, we just didn't need this. Yeah, it's I I didn't think so. And, th- and Gwen Stacy is quickly at the risk of being grotesquely overexposed. Yes, her comics aren't selling well. All the no. Spider Gwen, Dead Gwen. Bippity boppity Gwen, Gwen's. Hulk Gwen, it's, Super Gwen, yeah, they're, Wonder Woman Gwen, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 their sales numbers are, are are not so great. No, I think they overestimated the. Look, it got hot for a small period because it was something totally out of the blue, mm-hmm. and then yeah, people moved on. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, they moved on fairly quickly. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. So yeah, it's just kind of like I just don't I don't know who this is being written for. 
Yeah, I don't know why because it's not being it's not it doesn't def- seem to be directed at a at young girls. No, not at all. This does not read like what I would imagine a teen girl comic would be at all. There's right. nothing about this that would make you think, "Oh, this is they're targeting a yeah. a teenage girl segment." Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. Yeah, and um it it's not really it's not really appealing to like people like us because we're not learning anything new here. Right. Right. This is, we all know where this is going. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so it's not try and it doesn't really, I, I had like a thought is like, well, maybe this is like stealthily like a, a spider Gwen thing. <laughs> but then I was like, no, they don't really no. set that up either. Nope. Nope. So I really don't know what's happening and who this is for. Which kind of presents a problem when you're trying to sell it. Yeah, I, I completely, <laughs> I completely agree. I, I'm kind of, I'm at the same point. I'm, I'm completely mystified as to who, who we're going after with this. Right. I, I just, I, I don't see what audience you're chasing, and that you absolutely should have that every time you decide to roll out a new comic book. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely have in mind an audience that you're chasing. Yeah. At a primary audience. And then a secondary audience. Right. Okay? Because mm-hmm. you can do that. You yeah. can absolutely do that. But I mean, like with pro wrestling, they know going in, okay, we are shooting for the male 18 to 35 demo. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going for that. And right. then secondary, we're going to go from the, the male demo from 35 to 50. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And third, whatever women we can cat. Yeah. But that's your third demo. Sure. That's your tertiary demo. Mm-hmm. Every comic book has to be the same way. You got to know who you're shooting for first. Yeah. You also have to know what you have to answer the question. Why are we making this comic? Why yeah. are we making this comic? You've got to answer that question. And I feel like there's no good answer to why are we making this comic? Yeah. What story are we trying to tell? And in and, and, and a first issue of something like a prequel, you should be able to answer that question, not like give it all away, but no, right. this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to do. Yes. And, and the thing is, whatnot. But you're right. Gage is, he's a very talented writer. Yeah, yes. But make no mistake. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of criticism with the issue. Not, it's not with how it's written. No. It's, it's with why it was created. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But who the audience is, why are we here? What story is it trying to tell us? Those right. are our issues mm-hmm. with, with this. And it does affect the issue. It does. But it's, it's not, it's not that the technicals are bad. No, no. Technically, Stephen, yeah. Christos Gage does literally everything you and I say you have to do with the number one mm-hmm. issue. You introduce the main character. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Give us a good sense of their main character's personality. Yep. Got it. Mm-hmm. Introduce the supporting cast. Yep. Excellent. Did a great job doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Introduce their setting, their world. Yep. yep. Got it. Did that as well. Introduce the main villain for the opening story arc. Yeah. Check. Did that as well. Mm-hmm. Create a long-term, a long-range story arc mm-hmm. and a mid-range story arc and a short-term story arc. Yep. Check and check and check. You got the story arc with Green Goblin and Crime Master. Mm-hmm. You got the story arc with Captain Stacy and is being framed for uh, Nick the Greek's murder. Mm-hmm. And you got the story arc with Gwen... Uh, being uh, running for president mm-hmm. and her relationship with Harry and, and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It, so check, 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 check. Right. I mean, you, unlike Nebula number one, where you, we installed, <laughs> we installed zero, zero plot lines, yeah. zero story arc. Gage has installed like four of them yep. in the first issue. So, I mean, from a technical standpoint, when you look at the check, the, Gage gets an A. Yeah. 
He gets an A on what you should be doing mm-hmm. with a debut issue. The character work is great. I thought the character work was great. I liked it. Yeah. You get a good sense of Gwen Stacy's personality. Mm-hmm. I think you get a good sense for Harry's personality. Gwen's boyfriend is very boring, but he's your stereotypical jock, so yeah. I'll give a pass to that, right? Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be that that yeah, Ken he's, doll, he's Ken the, doll brought to life. Yeah, he's the right? he's the jock trying to date the smart girl. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> um you get a good stace, you get a good sense for state Captain Stacy's personality. Mm-hmm. Um I thought the dialogue was well written. Yeah. It had a nice flow to it. Mm-hmm. I thought the story itself had a nice flow to it, transitioned yeah. well. I thought it was well paced. Mm-hmm. From a technical standpoint, Gage is a good writer. This yeah. is this issue delivers what you and I say we always want on a number one issue. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. But you can't rise above the the you can't rise above the inherent question, the inherent genesis of the title which is why are we here why is this being published and who are we targeting Mm -hmm. i need to know why i should be reading this comic i need to know who i need to recommend as a comic reviewer who do Mm -hmm. i need to recommend buy this comic right and i don't think i can answer those questions i don't think so either and also just having all the other random Reference well the the Spider Man references of course that makes sense you know, right it's of running course parallel yeah. to that um but then like the dropping the Nelson and Murdoch stuff and some of the other little ones sprinkled throughout like the thing with the Reed Richards yes and all that it's like that's right I didn't mention that they reference Reed Richards as well in it yeah it's it's just a, like what are is this are you gonna have her like just pop up in all these important scenarios or whatnot, get a ground view. Right. Is it going to be like, are you, you're not going to have her fight the green goblin. Are you? I mean, that's right. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. And it's uh, so how are you going to prevent this from turning into, Oh, it's just another Spider-Man title because he's going to have to come in and fight the bad guys. Right. Uh, or it doesn't seem like it's setting up like a, a GCPD, like Brubaker's old title at DC kind right. of thing, because it's not about them; it's about her. Right. So it just it just keeps. I just keep wondering, like, what what are we doing here? I you know I agree, and I mean, in, in you've inter- Gage introduces the enforcers. That, that's that's Fancy Dan, the Ox in Montana. That's Fancy Dan. That's yeah, uh, who are, are are first appeared. Back in Amazing Spider Number Ten in 1964, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. This is some classic <laughs> Spider-Man villains. I, I, I think you're right. It's, you know, I, I would rather she. You're not gonna have her fighting the ox. No, that would be ludicrous. Yeah, it, it would, it would, it would break the, the laws of reality that this story is setting up. Yes. Okay, and you're not gonna ever fight the Green Goblin. These things don't make sense. So now, by by forcing her into the realm of all these super powered villains, you're almost begging this to turn into a Spider Man comic, aren't right. you? Right. Mm-hmm. I think so. And if you're gonna do a Gwen Stacy prequel comic of her in high school before she meets Peter Parker, maybe you just make this a slice of life. Yeah, teenage girl, young adult fiction story. Yeah, I, and again, and I don't know if that would sell, but you <laughs> then maybe you don't do the title. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It, it, that's the problem. I, I guess I'm having. Yeah, it because like doing doing what they're doing here. I mean, like having like if it was just the enforcers, 
I could I could roll with that. Like I know that she, like she's probably not gonna be fighting, but it's something that it's <laughs> square off the ox, right? <laughs> but it's something that theoretically they're not super powered. The, they're not super powered. The police could handle them, right? You know, right? Um, but that was the introducing the Green Goblin. Well, that, that's like, too, that t- that's Spider Man level. Yeah, that's superhero. That you were you need a superhero for that, right? Agreed. Um, so it. I don't know. It's just that that's why it's that's why it's weird weird for me because it's not bad. It's just I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And I and, and I'm worried about I, I just feel like this is a title that's doomed to yeah. fall like a rock to the bottom of the sales charts. You know, amazing Mary Jane, Stephen, issue number 3, uh 38,000 units. Mm-hmm. So that plummeted like a rock and I would submit to you despite the 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 little Gwen Spider Gwen Gwen Deadpool Gwen mm-hmm. Superman phase that we <laughs> had there, I would submit Mary Jane is a far more popular character. Yeah, I agree. I mean that title with by by the third issue is already starting to suck wind in the sales charts. Gwen, the reality the reality of the situation is Gwen Stacy is popular because she died. Bingo. Thank you. Yes, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. There are some characters mm-hmm. that are just better dead. Mm-hmm. They play a more Uncle Ben, th- right? They play a more pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Dead, dead. Yeah, they just do it. it and I think and... she has a more pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Is more popular. Is more endearing. Is more compelling to readers. Dead. Yeah. And it's... and that's not a bad thing. I don't think so. I mean, there because there's example. I mean, uh, Uncle Ben, her, the Waynes, right, um, right. Just because you could bring yeah. back Jason Todd and the Winter Soldier doesn't mean that that works for every dead character. Totally agree. And it also just make pulls up the uh, the possibility that okay, so this is just going to end with her dying again. Right. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed, though. So and well, then that's just, a hell of an ending. Yeah, and it also just brings up the point of. So what is all this why, why are we here? to lead to? Yeah. Right. Right. It's not like a movie or a prequel. You have two hours to establish this is what right. we're doing here. This is blah, blah, blah. It's why I love the Planet of the Apes movie so much. It, mm-hmm. They don't reference a lot of the original. It's just this is its own story. And yeah, it'll get to that eventually. But this is just like because of all the referencing, it makes it seem like, okay, this so... Mm-hmm. So I'm fully aware of what's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Especially with... The Green Goblin being the big villain. Yes. It's like... We know where we're going. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, geez, the art, though, you and I both, Todd Knock, big thumbs yes, up. Yes. Big thumbs up, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And I got to tell you, Stephen, I believe the artist for the recap page, mm-hmm. I believe this is the recap page, in fact, because I believe it is. Yeah. Ji Young Lee is the artist. I think mm-hmm. I'm saying the name right. Sure. That's gorgeous artwork. Yeah, it is. I don't know this artist, but this artist should get more work. At, if, if nothing else, should get more cover work. Yep. If nothing else, I wouldn't mind seeing interior. This artist, I don't know if this is a male or a female, but whoever Ji Young Lee is, mm-hmm. their style of art may be so good that they can't keep up on monthly schedule if they do an interior art. Yeah. It's maybe the art takes too long because it looks so damn good. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have to do cover art. I don't care. No, sure. Ji Young Lee <laughs> needs more work because this drawing of Gwen Stacy is 
phenomenal. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, how would you grade out Gwen Stacy number one? Um, for the writing, I'll give the writing a seven. I think mm-hmm. that Chris Cage does a good job. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, I will say, just in that, with the writing and how the art and art together, I think he does a really great thing where they they establish something that you could have done in like five pages in mm-hmm. one panel where it's her doing the little kiss to her mother's picture. Yep. Yes, sir. That's good writing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I get the writing is seven. I had to point that out because so many people miss that kind of storytelling. They don't yes, use sir. the medium the way it's supposed to be used. Oh, which, I totally agree. Ugh. Totally agree. But um, yeah, so I, the writing will I give a seven mm-hmm. it held back by the, the, the bigger scale problems, I mm-hmm. guess. And the art, I'll give the art, I'll give the art an eight. I thought it was, thought it was very good. Heck yeah. It looks like a Spider-Man comic. Yes, it does. Um, I'm going <laughs> to give, you know, Steven, I'm going to go straight eights, eight night girls okay. out of 10 for the writing, eight night girls out of 10 for the store, uh, for the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird. It's a good issue. Mm-hmm. It's well written, well drawn. I gave it straight eights. Yet, I don't know who I recommend this to. Yeah. And I don't know if I would recommend it to anyone. <laughs> That's the weird quandary. I'm in. So there you go. Yeah. It, it, it does, that doesn't happen too often to us. No, it does not. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, I, I think that if I had said, hey, you should buy this for your daughter, I don't necessarily think they would be into it. Yeah. I agree. Hey, you should buy this for your son. I don't necessarily think they'd be into it. Hey, you should buy this for a younger reader. I don't know if they'd be into it. You should nope. buy this for an older reader. I don't know if they'd be into it. I just don't know who who it would be. That's yeah. my problem. Anyhow. Uh, last up from Marvel, Stephen, X-Men number six. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. This issue, the words, brought to us by the man himself, Jonathan Hickman. Mm-hmm. The art by Matteo Buffani. And uh, let me tell you what, Buffani, uh, I'm not familiar with his art mm-hmm. but um he does a nice job his his style yeah. of art you know what you know what it is i don't know if he'd be great on a lot of titles but his style of art matches well with hickman's story yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah it, it's weird right but i think <laughs> the way hickman writes his stories the tone mm-hmm. and the mood of hickman's stories i think yeah. bufani's art <laughs> is a is a good match for it anyhow um because i don't think i'd like it on a lot of other titles no. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gave me this on an Avengers title, I don't know if I'd be thrilled. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, long and short of this one, Steven, we begin with a flashback scene with uh, Mystique and Destiny sitting together and watching the sunset. Destiny mm-hmm. says she's going to tell Mystique something that is not going to sound believable, but it is all true. We yes. cut to the to now, that was a flashback scene, we cut to the present day at the Orcus Forge. We see that the Orcus, that Orcus has successfully set up their defense ring around Mercury mm-hmm. and their watchtower on Venus, that the Sentinel City continues to grow. Their weapon system on the Orcus Forge is now online. Mm-hmm. And we shift to director Devo, placing his finishing touches on a new piece of tech. Mm-hmm. Whip it good. Whip it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. You can tell. Um, and Omega, uh, Omega Sentinel comments that Devo's work uh, is perfect. I'm not going to get this song out of my good. head. <laughs> Real good. Um, a henchman enters the room. Dr. Devo gives the new piece of machinery to the henchman and tells the henchman to go give it to Dr. Gregor. We slide to the henchman arriving in Dr. Gregor's lab and handing Dr. Gregor the new Gregor the piece of machinery from Dr. Devo. 
Dr. Gregor, we see, is assembling a Nimrod robot. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. That wasn't supposed to happen, Stephen. Yep. We flash back to a scene that takes place right after the scene between Mystique, Professor X, and Magneto in Powers of X number one. Mm-hmm. Professor X and Magneto are still meeting with Mystique. Mystique says that she has demands. Professor X replies that he has further demands, too. Professor X says that they are ruling a, uh, a better mutant world and everyone should uh, live in it. Uh, everyone who lives in it should owe something. Mm-hmm. Owe something to it. Magneto says that Mystique will join Cyclops' team headed to the Orcus Forge. But they have an additional secret mission for Mystique that we did not see, mm-hmm. right? Professor X hands Mystique a Krokoan plant and hands it to her, says, take this with you. Mm-hmm. All right. We cut to Nightcrawler teleporting Mystique aboard the Orcus Forge. This scene takes place during the events of House of X number four, mm-hmm. when they're uh, infiltrating the Orcus Forge to try to destroy the Mother Mold. Right. We see Mystique take the form of an Orcus um, flunky, and plant the crocodile flower in the forge's garden. Mystique then heads over to the fourth collar lock for the mother mold, where mm-hmm. Dr. Gregor is located. Dr. Gregor hits a button, opens a hatch, and Mystique goes out into space. And this is the exact same scene that we did see in House of X number four, by the yes. way. Okay. We see Mystique floating in space. We see the words of Professor X saying that if Mystique plants the Krakoan seed in the Orcus Forge, then they get what they want, and Mystique will get what she wants. And they both know what Mystique wants. We then Mystique see Mystique crying, and then she dies. Mm-hmm. We shift to Mystique being reborn in the Resurrection Chamber on Krokoa. This is the scene from House of X number five. Right. We zip later to Professor X Magneto meeting with Mystique. Mystique says that, that, uh, um, that no, sorry, Magneto tells Mystique that, the, that Cyclops' team died uh, beyond the reach of Cerebro, so they were reincarnated to their last backup which was right before they left for the mission. Right. Therefore, nobody knows if she was successful in planting the, <laughs> the Krokoan seed or not. So Magneto says they need her to go back through the Krokoan gateway to see if the planning is successful, mm-hmm. that the gateway won't work if the planning failed. So she'll just walk right through the gateway and still be in Krokoa. Right. All right. So, uh, and uh, the only problem is if Orcus has found the Krokoan flower and hasn't destroyed it, then when she goes through it and is on the forge, she may be walking to a trap. Right. Mystique transforms into an Orcus henchman and walks through the Krokoan gateway and appears on the Orcus forge. And Stephen, that Orcus henchman we saw earlier in the issue. Mm-hmm. That was her. That was her. I love this kind of writing. <laughs> this is why I love Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. This is why I love it. He He's just so good about giving you a scene, Stephen, and then looping back to it later yep. and adding a whole different level of information to it. Mm-hmm. He does this over and over. He's been doing this over and over since House of X number one and Powers of X number one. Yes. Over and over. And I love it. I love this technique. And not many people can do this. No, um, absolutely not. The, uh, we see the uh, henchman, Mystique. Mm-hmm. Um, she enters uh, Divas' lab, takes it, does the Gregor, all that kind of fun stuff, right? right. Then we see Mystique while in Gregor's, uh, Dr. Gregor's lab looking at the Nimrod robot. We see Mystique with a knife drawn and staring at Dr. Gregor while she sleeps. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we hop back to Krakoa. Right. Uh-oh, what happened there? Mystique telling Professor X and Magneto that the good news is the Krakoan flower is successfully planted on the Orcus Forge and undetected. However, the bad news is Dr. Gregor is nearly done creating a Nimrod robot. Magneto asks if Mystique took care of Dr. Gregor and the Nimrod. Mystique replies, the mutants have laws. Mm. And Magneto goes, oh, laws don't apply to humans. Magneto asks why Mystique did not take care of the issue. Mystique replies that they, need, they needed to know, and now they do. Yeah. There you go. Professor X says that Mystique is hiding something. Mystique says that she's done her part and that she is not doing anything else until Professor X brings back destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually says, bring back my wife. Yep. 
And so we've officially now, they've always been kind of hinted at mm-hmm. something with Destiny and Mystique. Right. But now it's official. Mm-hmm. Official, official, right? So Professor X asks, after all the years of backstabbing by Mystique, if she really thinks she can that uh, they can trust her. Professor X says that Destiny will return. Mystique has earned it. Magneto says that Mystique must go back and destroy the Nimrod. At this point, Stephen, they are just crapping all over Mystique. Yeah. I mean, they've just treated her like dirt. Mm-hmm. They, they send her on the mission with Cyclops to yeah. plant the seed and to get rid of the Mother Mold, right? Mm-hmm. They reincarnate her. Immediately upon reincarnating her, force her to go back through the Kukroin Gateway to yeah. make sure that the thing, that the seed was planted and it hasn't been found, knowing full well she might be going into a trap if it mm-hmm. has been found. And then she comes back and they send her right back again a third time to destroy the... I mean, they are just... Mystique is not a sympathetic character in general. No. She's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Objectively bad person. Yeah. And this is the brilliant of Hickman's writing. He manages to make you, mm-hmm. the reader, feel sympathy for Mystique. Mm-hmm. He makes Mystique a genuinely sympathetic character. Yes. That he, is amazing. Right. And by, by making their relationship official, he shows that Professor X and Magneto are purposefully pushing the one point that they know yes. they can have over her. Yes. And it is possibly the worst thing you could do to somebody. Yes. It's yes. like, wow. Yes. <laughs> so Mystique says she'll go back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Professor X thinks Mystique. Mystique says she's always hated Professor X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steve, this scene, for me, for me, this scene was the highlight of the issue. Mm-hmm. This was, I thought the character work was phenomenal in this yeah. issue. Phenomenal. It all came down to the character work with Professor X and the character work with Mystique. Mm-hmm. To me, that, that formed the spine of this issue. Yeah, That was the driving force of the issue. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Hickman is talented enough to take a character that has always been the good guy and beloved Mm-hmm. by all X-Men fans, Professor X, right. and turn him into an unlikable villain. Yeah. Which he has. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I don't like Professor X. <laughs> yeah. He's a jerk. He's not likable. No. He's a crazy cult no, leader. He's, yeah. And then he took a character we've always hated. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we like to hate. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, everyone likes Misty, but, but you hate her. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and you make her a sympathetic character that we're rooting for. Yes. That's good writing. Mm-hmm. And this scene to me is the pinnacle. This is the high point where you feel, to me, this is you, the, the energy and the emotions. It's palpable. Yeah. You can feel her hate seething off the panel to you. Mm-hmm. You can feel the cold, I don't give a fucking difference from Professor X. Yeah. Keeping his <laughs> pimp hand strong. Yeah. You can feel it coming off the page at you. For me, this this scene was just like, whoa, this is the crescendo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so um, anyhow, and Professor X says uh, that he's he's been, you know what? She's hated uh, hated and feared him. He corrects her. This is this is the scene <laughs> the pimp master goes. Oh no, you haven't just you haven't just hated me. <laughs> You've hated and feared me. Yeah, and 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 he's grown numb to it. Yep. This is and that that is. That that that's Professor X's pimp hand. Like, yeah. oh, oh, damn, oh, damn. Professor X <laughs> says that all this is bigger than him, bigger than everyone else, and certainly bigger than Mystique. Yep. Like, just oh, just brutal. Like, makes her feel like she's just a bug. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Then we shift to uh, the Oracle. We see Mystique pouring herself a drink and thinking about her conversation with Destiny as they watch the sunset back in the day. Destiny, we go back to flashback, and Destiny says that after she's gone, something is going to happen and will sound too good to be true, that there will be an island and it will be seem, seem to be hope for mutants, that Mystique will be invited in and will be lifted up, and then they will deny Mystique the one thing she wants. They will make promises, but they will do everything to not honor their word because they will be afraid. They want us blind for some reason. Destiny says that when those days come, that Mystique must remember these words, bring me back. And if Mystique cannot bring Destiny back, or if they refuse to bring Destiny back, then Mystique shall burn the place to the ground. We see Mystique drinking a glass of wine while looking at Destiny's mask. End of issue. Mm -hmm. Steven X-Men number six. How damn good was that? That was fantastic. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I yes, mean, it was. ever since they've they've shown, um, well, actually, since the end when uh, Moira was like, "Why are you promising Mystique that? Yes, you yes. can't do that. Yes, you can't have any people who can see the future on the island because it'll ruin it." And they're like, "No, we're fine. We got it. We got it." And it was just like. Okay, are you sure? Right. Well, mm. now it's coming back. You got it. And it, oh my God. The thing about people like Professor X, these cult leaders, these mm -hmm. just very super confident, is they are always their own Worst downfall. Enemy. Yes! Especially someone who is supposed to be a telepath. Right. And should be able to read her mind yes. and see what's going on. Yes. It just... I I love it. He's so I personally good, love it? it. I I actually kind of want her to to turn burn it all down, burn it all to the ground, <laughs> because this is just because you, you it makes you not like him mostly because of his arrogance. Yep. And you know, and like you said, it takes a lot to turn a character like Mystique not only into a a sympathetic character, but to a, a victim. Yes, which she is both. Yeah, sympathetic and a victim. And. I I was just kind of like in in shock. I was like, "Wow, like this is this is really great stuff." And yeah. I just oh, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's so good. It I, is so uh, the, Hickman <laughs> is his his Stephen, the level of his plotting is through the roof. Mm -hmm. Again, I talked about how like I love how he goes back and fleshes out a scene. He did it in this issue where yeah. we saw the henchman in the beginning of the issue, and then in the yeah. second half of the issue, we, he shows you that it was uh, Mystique the whole yeah. time. But on a much grander scale, mm -hmm. he, and he's been doing this since House of X number one, he will show us a scene, mm -hmm. and then two, three, four, five issues later, he will return back to that scene, yep. but show us from an entirely different perspective, mm -hmm. or show us something that we didn't see yep. that happened at the same time as that scene. He's been doing that since the beginning. Yes. And he does it again here, where he goes back to these prior issues of House of X and Powers of X and says, okay, while this is going on, this also happened. Mm -hmm. Returning back to something that happened four, five, six, eight, ten issues ago and filling in new information mm -hmm. is so enjoyable. It brings more depth and texture and substance to the story. Mm -hmm. It makes it even more immersive. Yeah. More complex. I love it. Because you know when he was doing that scene, he was thinking about what he's going to do 10 issues later. Yep. When he was doing that scene in House of X number one, he was thinking about X-Men number six. Mm -hmm. That's long-range vision that, quite honestly, I, how many other writers have that kind of long-range vision? Maybe Grant Morrison, and maybe that's it? I don't know. Not many. 
No, very few. Definitely not. Very few. That's amazing long term vision that he yeah. has. It's incredible. And that that kind of plotting, not many writers will f- will go back mm-hmm. ten issues and fold in new information, right? Like that. It's unheard of, for the most part. Yeah, but it's what makes his story so immersive <laughs> and so complex and so fascinating. Yes, fascinating. I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. I just it, the level of writing on X Men is simply better than you're going to get on any other title on the market right now. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah, Hickman is just on. He's on a different level. Yeah, he just is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character work was fantastic. Again, like I said, Professor X. What he's doing with him is amazing. Mm-hmm. What he's doing with Mystique is amazing. It's incredible. I love that now he's created Mystique as a threat from within. Because mm-hmm. up until now, we've had you know threats from outside. Right. You know, in all the various X titles, you've got you know threats from you know in Excalibur, you had threats from yeah um, from Lefay. From Lefay, um, you uh, you have in in X. Uh, force. They have that um that, that that weird the people who are making like superhumans or something. Yeah, that that human whatnot. group that is um I can't remember their name now. It's like yeah. <laughs> whatever Zeno. That's right. Zeno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that they're they're uh, that that's another external threat. You have the countries that won't uh, recognize Krakoa who mm-hmm. are hostile culture. That's another external threat. Yeah. This is the first internal threat. Mm-hmm. This is the first internal threat. So that's what makes it even more interesting. Yes. And out of all the the people they have on that island, Apocalypse, uh, Magneto, Mr. Sinister, the Reavers, Mr. Sinister, that it's her. Mm-hmm. It's very that makes it even more interesting to me. Yeah. And she's on the Council of Twelve. That's right. And so, just like Apocalypse. Uh-huh. So she's 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 built to do some damage. Yes. I think this is just rivet. I'm glad he's finally brought an internal threat to the table. Mm-hmm. I like that. External threats are great. Yep. Internal ones are even juicier. And w- definitely one that he he's already set up. Oh, from the very beginning. Yes. From the very when we first saw, you know, uh, uh, during one of the many lives of Moira X, or whatever, X when yeah. we saw Destiny and Mystique killing all of her scientists because she was mm-hmm. trying to cure the mutant. Yep. Gene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, just. Yeah, and it's wow. it shows what what is so what is so bad. What is going to happen that Destiny sees that's so bad that you know she has to she has to come back? Yeah, it's just so fantastic. I just, I just can't, I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> the art's solid. It fits. It fits the mood. Yes, it fits the mood of the story so, yeah. for sure. Uh, how would you grade out X Men number six? Um, I will give the writing a. Um, I give the writing a. I give the writing a ten. Nice. Yeah, it's it's that good. It's yep. it's the kind of writing that I think from either company you're not likely to see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very often. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um, it, he was exactly what the X Men needed. Oh God, you're right about that. Yeah, you're totally right about that. And um, I will give the art. I give the art a seven. I wasn't too impressed yep. by it, but it was still on the positive. I'm so. I'm gonna go up same as you, Stephen. Ten nickels out of ten for the writing. Seven nickels out of ten for the art. And it's it, it's a must buy. It's a must buy. All right, my friend. Let's go over to DC Comics, shall we? Sure. Let's start with Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number one. Sure. 
this is brought to us the words by Amanda Connor and mm-hmm. Jimmy Palmiotti, the art by Amanda Connor, the colors by Paul Mounts. Steven, this is a black label comic. Yes. And I want to go back to this at the end of the review mm-hmm. and ask you if did this this particular comic need to be a black label comic? Sure. Now, I, we know why. The reason why it is a black label comic is because it is a lot of cursing. Yes. Okay. And I think that's why it is one. Um, yeah. <laughs> we begin with Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and Tool Man <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a, a tropical island. And uh, Superman's like serving them all these amazing drinks. And evidently he's doing it because um, they have some address to where Jimmy Olsen is being held captive. Mm-hmm. And they won't tell it to him until he serves them all these amazing drinks. Right. And they finally give him the address. He takes off. And then Harley Quinn wakes up and realizes it's just a dream. Mm-hmm. Just a dream. A fantasy of hers. She's really in bed and surrounded by all the other uh, people who live in their hotel. The mm-hmm. dreamin' seaman. Yeah. <laughs> it's a picture of a sailor sleeping. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> With a, like a Popeye pipe. <laughs> Anyhow, Harley goes up to the roof of the of where they of uh, where their place is. It's in Coney Island. Mm-hmm. And oh, look, it's going by Power Girl. Yep. She <laughs> up late getting some cat food for her babies, and uh, love me some Power Girl. Yes. Even more than that, I love me some Amanda Connor drawn Power Girl. Mm-hmm. She knows how to draw Power Girl properly. Remember yeah. back in the New 52 when they got rid of the boob window? That was a sad day. Um, <laughs> Steven's like, why do I bother to show up? <laughs> um, anyhow, the two ladies kind of chit-chat about what's going on. Obviously, someone's bothering um, Harley. Mm-hmm. PG's like, tell me what's bothering her. So we find out that uh, um, a few weeks ago, she and uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy were... St- uh, went to a little island, mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, and they had their little boat there that they took out to this island. They're going to picnic, and uh, they're having so much fun, and Harley didn't ever want to leave. She said, poison every all to herself, and it's like paradise. She purposely didn't drop the anchor to the boat, mm-hmm. and the boat floated away. Yeah. And now they're marooned on this island, and they eventually ran out of food, and they have to go through a hurricane. And Poison Ivy's really pissed off at her and mm-hmm. doesn't want to talk to her. No matter what she does, yep. probably does, she won't talk to her. <laughs> and eventually they get saved by um, some friends of theirs, uh, a super spy, retired super spy, um, Cy Borgman, and his girlfriend, Xena. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyhow, we cut to the... Uh, while they were on the island, unfortunately... Big Tony, who is mm-hmm. actually not big, it's an ironic name. Right. He's very small, mm-hmm. who is running the Dreamin' Seaman while Harley was on her little vacation with Poison Ivy. Right. Gets beaten up by some mafia leg breakers, mm-hmm. right? From the DeFeo uh, family, D E F E O. And again, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unusual, Stephen, because this is a mafia. Mm-hmm. And this mafia, uh, one of the leg breakers, is a woman. It, she's not built like um, uh, who was that? Who was that uh, military officer from uh, Damage? Remember, um, she was like Bill Jonas. Yes, and she was yes. like built like John Cena. Yeah, right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is just looks like a regular little woman. Yeah, I'm telling you now, the mafia does not is never mm-hmm. employed 
female leg breakers. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's just not, not happening in the existence of the mafia. And this is the Italian mafia because it's the Italian last name. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, again, I get that we want to be super, super, you know, balanced with gender or whatever, whatever, but time and place. The fact is um, 95% of all criminals are men. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. We'll take that rap. Um, <laughs> I don't think people will be offended if all the leg breakers are men because, mm-hmm. again, prison is all men, just about 95%. Um, but anyhow, we've got uh, uh, these leg breakers beat up little Tony and then burn the uh, dream and semen, mm-hmm. right? Because Harley owes them money. She borrowed money from the mob yes. to buy her hotel. Mm-hmm. Bad idea, Stephen. Mm-hmm. You don't... You don't you don't loan money. You don't. You don't you borrow don't money, take from, money the mob. from the mob. Yeah. You don't do it. You don't do it. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, PG uh, ends up, you know, cheer, trying to cheer up Harley a little bit, and then takes off. And uh, I do like as she's leaving, Harley goes, um, "You know, thanks for your help, whatever." And then is uh, is like, "Hey, uh, why don't you make that hole in your suit bigger? You you know, <laughs> for the kids." For the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> anyhow, so, uh, anyhow, so um, everyone in the Dream and Seaman all gets together, and, and Harley's like, you know, I, I'm gonna go head to Gotham, and I'm gonna solve this, and they're like, no, we're gonna go with you, we're gonna, we're all a team, and so they decide instead to visit Little Tony first, right? Mm-hmm. We see them all arrive at the hospital, and Harley Quinn is dressed up in a hot nurse outfit, <laughs> and <laughs> and they all visit Little Tony, and they and it, Harley's like hugging him. Right, mm-hmm. and it's like, here's uh, here's something else to to suffocate you. Death by decalterage coming your way. Now, decalterage is a woman's cleavage in a low cut blouse or low cut outfit. That is the French term for the bosom, the sh- yes. the cleavage of a woman <laughs> that you can see. And he's she's got his face all up in her boobs. Mm-hmm. It's just hilarious, Stephen. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyhow, uh, long and short of it, Harley decides before she goes to Gotham, she's going to pay the uh, the leg breakers a visit, and she shows up where the leg breakers are and uh, kills them all. Yeah, <laughs> right. Kills everybody, and then blows up the building. And uh, the head of the DeFeo Mafia sees it, Mr. D, mm-hmm. and he sees it on his closed-circuit cameras that were in the building, and he's like, ah, well, that's interesting. Okay, well, you know, we can take care of her. I'm not too worried. Right. Okay. We then see in the rafters, though, that the Huntress is on the scene. Mm-hmm. So she's hunting down the same Mafia. Yes. Right? Okay. We then cut to Harley uh, going to uh, Gotham. She's supposed to be going by herself. Right. Right? But as she... You know, putting her stuff away in her little cab. She goes to her little, her little cabin, and in is one of the uh, girls from the the, uh, the, 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 the Dream and Seaman. Mm-hmm. And then we see Toolman <laughs> show up <laughs> with some wine and cheese and crackers. So they're all together. She, she's got some people to you know follow her, keep an eye on her, and she decides that's not good. So she sneaks out of the little cabin and decouples the train, that car, from the rest mm-hmm. of the train. So see you later. Anyhow, um... We then see some goons are, um, when the train stops at a stop, some goons get on from said mafia, uh-huh. looking to kill her. But luckily, the Huntress is on board. Yep. And when the Huntress finds Harley, <laughs> they just, <laughs> there's a scene where so the Huntress finds Harley Steven. And Harley's like, I'm going to change 
you changing your costume, Huntress. I'll change one of mine. She pulls out like all these different versions of her costume, yeah. which one do I like the best? But the best part is she strips down, and on the back of her, uh, <laughs> the back of her panties, it says exit. exit. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh God. Okay, so. Our ladies arm up, and they go attack the goons, and they kill all the goons. Yes. In some bloody action. And then, guess who joins the fight? Cassie! Batgirl is also there. Yep. All right. So, the gang's all together. They then arrive in Gotham, and guess who's there to meet the train? Renee Montoya! Yep. Oh, my gosh. Hey, hey, the gang's all here. That's the end of the issue. Steven, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey number one, what would you think? Um, I... I thought it was um, quite a bit of fun. Yes. I thought it was funny. Hilarious. I, I love the artwork. Oh, so Amanda much. Connor. Yeah, Who doesn't love Amanda Connor? Yeah. They, she's fantastic. Like, if people want to know why Harley Quinn became so popular. It's Amanda Connor. It's because of Amanda Connor. Uh, hands down. Absolutely yes. agree. Yeah. And um, my interest in Harley Quinn drops dramatically when Amanda Connor's not involved. Yes. It just does. It just does. <laughs> Yeah, it's like before anybody uses her, they should ask her permission first mm-hmm. and then have her write her scenes. Yeah. Yep. And draw them. Yes. yes. <laughs> Indeed. Mm. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 just it's just a lot of fun. It's you know, it's um it's kind kind of a I guess it's kind of a traditional story, but because it's it's Harley Quinn, it's because it's more oh, yeah. complicated and yes. Goofy and weird zany. and zany. Yeah, zany. That's yes. a good word for it. Yes. Um. So I mean, I I honestly can't think of anything that I I, I didn't like about it. It's it's a really good time now. Um. Whether I think because you put a pin in the black label thing, mm-hmm. whether or mm-hmm. not it needs to be yes a black label thing is open for discussion. Yes. Um. Now. Then again, I <laughs> I very much like her horny beaver friend. Yes, <laughs> I didn't mention it, but she does have a stuffed beaver. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that talks to her. That talks to her, and only her. Yeah, and only her. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought <laughs> that guy that cracked me up. That's uh, funny. Pretty much yeah. all the time, and um, I mean, you know, it's um, it's good to see Power Girl back yes. again. Love me some PG. Um, and by the way, PG. Really, again, just like Harley, mm-hmm. uh, if you're talking Power Girl, you're talking Amanda Connor. Yes. Again, it's the same same deal. Mm-hmm. Same deal. I mm-hmm. agree. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, if I had to say anything negative, it would be that Black Canary is not in there, so you don't have the whole team together. Well, yeah, true. But, I mean, what they do with it is just so, yeah. it's just so fun, I, you know? Yes. It pretty much... Pulls everything you need from Harley Quinn's past. Like I agree. Thing with Poison Ivy, mm-hmm. and then it's mentioned the Joker wants to kill her, which we know we know that already. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's I, I I I just if somebody reads this and they have all these giant complaints about, it, I was like, you know what? What, what did you pick it up for? <laughs> right. I completely agree. Lighten up. Go home and read some. I don't know some Jane Austen. Or yeah, something. seriously. If you, if you if you can't have just have some fun with this. Oh, I totally <laughs> totally agree. I love um. For me, Harley Quinn and Power Girl. For me, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti. That's when it. That's that's when it works. Yes. For me, mm-hmm. those two characters. You got to have Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. You got to have them. Yep. Uh, they just they just 
they make it work. Yeah. They make it work. And it's just nothing else is better. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it, it, they understand it so well. I agree. I thought this issue was an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, again, I don't like Harley Quinn unless this creative team is handlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Otherwise, Harley Quinn can, is a character that can go off the rails too fast. Yeah. It can become it's really. It's too easy to make her too annoying. Re- yes. Yeah. Like, suit, like, when Tom King did uh, wrote Harley in, in uh, Heroes in Crisis, yeah, that's a good example of how how the character can get way too annoying, way too mm-hmm. fast. It's just not fun. Yeah, it's just not fun. Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, they got it. They understand it. They know how to deliver it, just in the right way. And believe they, they don't dial her back. No, they don't dial her back. They just know how. They just have a right way of how to deliver it mm-hmm. to make it work. Yes. And I Amanda agree. Connor, and Jimmy Palmiotti's Harley Quinn is funny mm-hmm. and lovable and adorable yep. and you like her. Mm-hmm. They just, it's a different yeah. feeling. And it's, and it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a very difficult balancing act to play a character who is, yes. who is zany like she is. Um, but also make her, um, well, to make her not annoying. Yes. One thing. To yes. Make her actually funny. And also to like, Oh, she's very raunchy, but she doesn't come across <laughs> as being like brain dead. Right, right. You right, know, right. She knows what she's doing. Yeah, she does. She, she, she makes some mistakes here and there, yeah, but it's sure. mistakes that most people could make. Right. Like taking money from the mafia. How many people have done that and <laughs> paid the consequences? We, it's something, you it know, happens. It every happens. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like, I, I, I. I just I just thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It put a smile on my face. Yeah. I thought it was well paced. <laughs> I thought it was a good balance of action and and uh, dialogue heavy scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the action was well done. It's, oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's violent, but not too violent. It's not no. over the top violence. No. It's just the right amount. Yeah, and uh, the humor was well timed, well played. Dialogue is great. I thought the character work was great. Mm-hmm. Chemistry between the characters. Fantastic! Yep. I, I, it's just a fun, fun issue. I really liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the black label, what I'm thinking is that you know, e, the curse word, Stephen. Believe it or not, I didn't think they were necessary at any point. Yeah, I just I didn't find. No, I don't have a problem with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they should. That, but I'm thinking you could have pulled the curse words out of it mm-hmm. and made this a, um, a regular just DC a regular, title. Yeah. But you know how they label it for teen T for teen. Yeah. The, just do that. Just put a T on it. Mm-hmm. And because the raunch that's in here isn't so nothing that a t- inappropriate for a teen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And the violence isn't inappropriate for a teen either. Right. And I don't think the curse words that they use brought anything to the story whatsoever. It, matter of fact, Steven, I got to say, sometimes the curse words kind of felt oddly placed and forced. Like that doesn't really fit the theme of the story or doesn't right. fit the mood of the story. Yeah, because they, they were even somewhere it seemed like they were purposefully avoiding using curse words. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's just some. It's like, yeah, really? that, it, it just kind of felt gratuitous. Like, you didn't need it. Right. It didn't bring anything to the story. So I would have probably just removed the curse words. I think everything else, the raunch and the violence, is sufficient for a teen DC title. Yeah. And you get more that people to buy it. could have been the regular Birds of Prey title. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I big thumbs up to me. And Amanda Connor, of course, I adore her art. So, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How would you rate, uh, rank, uh, or grade Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey number one? Um, I would give, I'll give the writing an eight and I'll give the art a, I'll give the art a nine. 
Yes, I will go. Uh, I'm right there with you. The writing is eight knuckles out of ten, and the art I will give it ten knuckles out of ten because it's Amanda Connor drawing me Power Girl and Harley Quinn. Uh, (laughs) But I would recommend this buying this. Yeah. I would recommend buying it uh, if if you like Harley Quinn, but maybe don't like how she's handled a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. This has I, your hookup. I absolutely agree. This has your hookup. Yeah. It's, it's 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 worth it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of fun. All right, Stephen. Green Lantern, yeah. number one mm-hmm. issues brought to us the words by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artwork by isn't it Liam Sharp? Liam Sharp mm-hmm. and. Uh, Classic team up. Yeah. These two guys. Absolutely. Uh, we begin with we begin with everybody praising Hal Jordan as it should be. Of course. This is how every comic <laughs> should be, Stephen. <laughs> every comic should just be everyone praising how amazing Hal Jordan is. I really approve of this beginning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know it's all about Hal Jordan um, and we see the Guardians praising Hal Jordan as the best Green Lantern ever and saving the universe again yeah oh just <laughs> do continue <laughs> and uh, the Guardians are asking wonder how to reward a man who needs or expects none because again Hal Jordan is the best Green Lantern. Exactly. So what do they give him, Stephen? They give him a new upgraded power battery. Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Because this leads to some things I've never seen a power ring do before. Yes. Ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So everybody <laughs> powers up, says their little oath, ba 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 And then Hal's sleeping. Then he's woken up. Hal, by the way, Stephen. Being a man's man. Being a man's man. He right. sleeps in the buff. <laughs> you noticed that, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Hal sleeps in the nude. Mm-hmm. That's how it works like, when you're a man's man. It's not cold up there. <laughs> <laughs> and Hal, let me tell you what, that dude is jacked. <laughs> this dude could leg press like a million pounds. He is jacked. Yep. Wow. Again, when you're Hal Jordan, you are the best mm-hmm. of the best. That is correct. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the Guardians come to him, and they're like, Hal, we got to go. Yep. Uh, new reality dawns. The elders must depart. Uh, but first, we got to let you know, you know, once again, thank you for your long and distinguished <laughs> service. Again, we just keep layering on the compliments about how amazing Hal Jordan is. Right. Is, is this issue, Stephen, like the first 10 pages basically like how awesome Hal Jordan is? Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> is this where all Kyle Rayner fans are like grinding their teeth? <laughs> <laughs> all three of them. Um, no. <laughs> Stephen's like, I hate you. <laughs> so, so, who was your favorite lantern, Stephen? Um, uh, John Stewart. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Hal Jordan a lot. I okay, don't okay, dislike right, right. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, got you, I got you. So it was always Chong. Yeah. Yes. So you were never you were never Team Kyle. No, never. I don't. I don't hate Kyle. Right. Okay. He's just not my particular Green Lantern. I think really you're Team Baz, aren't you? <laughs> Outside of the um, who was it? Somebody <laughs> dubbed them the the Four Corsmen. Yes. 
um, Kyle, Hal, John, and Guy. Outside of that, I kind of don't really recognize anybody else. So, so, so. Jessica Cruz. Nah, no, no, nah. sorry, need not apply. Nah. Okay, uh, so nah. the guardians uh, tell him <laughs> that the great rebirth is imminent. Stephen, I know this is playing into what's going on with generations, isn't it? Possibly. Uh, the guardians say we we depart to fight the ultra war, a sh- conflict shadowed here below as the multi crisis. This is Grant Morrison doing what he does best, Stephen. Yeah. This is what he does best. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, anyhow, the um, they say that there is a, uh, a, st- a stone that was discarded is the new foundation. That's the cryptic message that they give him as they leave. Yes. Okay, so, anyhow, they leave, and we cut to the Grand Hall of Oa, where we see all these new recruits, right? They've decided to reach out to the top law enforcement from various planets mm-hmm. to see which of them might become a, another Green Lantern. Right. Then the Power Rings just used to fly around the universe and just ran well, with people. you know. Times change. Times change. Yeah, Budget cuts. Gotta, yeah. It's so... <laughs> so, Can't just have them flying around, you know, no, know where they're going to wind up. No. And we mm-hmm. meet this weird dude who's like a talking... Walking crystal. Yes. And he talks to Hal. He's like, and he talks weird too. Like, yeah. I don't know. He's like a robot. Yeah, he talks like a robot. <laughs> yeah, and he's got some like kind of weird gun that has like four different settings to it, and they can do all sorts of weird Six st- different settings. Sorry, sorry. Six different settings. My bad. My bad. Don't disrespect I, the I, salt man. I, 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 it, it can kill you. I know. Yes. <laughs> and he is, he is, he is crystallized salt, is he not? Yeah, he is. Essentially, right? Mm-hmm. His name is Rickak. Toro of Carlax. But you can call him Rick. But you can call him Rick. Yeah. And his gun is the <laughs> crystallizer. Don't tell Nightwing. Don't. <laughs> and Hal's kind of like, okay, yeah. So I'm at it because the guy starts talking about talking about my gun and, and Hal's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> John Stewart comes over and he's like, hey, the guards want to talk to you. And he's like, I got, I, I, sorry, see you later, yeah. right? I'm dipping out. Anyhow, and uh, Hal's like, oh, thank God. Thank God you came to me. <laughs> And um, John's like, don't you want to come back to Earth and visit the Justice League? And he's like, nah, I'm over. Earth feels like my backyard when I was a kid. Now there's a whole big world out there, the universe. I gotta, I'll be stir-crazy if I go to Earth. I'm all about the universe. I can't live on Earth anymore. I'd, I'd be going insane. Interesting placement of this conversation. There is. We'll be back to this mm. one. We? Then your favorite lantern, Jessica Cruz, shows up. Right. And uh, <laughs> she's like, I'm the opposite. I hate my open spaces. We're like the yin-yang. It's like... Even when they unintentionally don't make her sound like an idiot, she sounds like an idiot. How, do, mm. how does that happen with some characters, Stephen? Even where they try not to make them sound dumb, they just sound dumb. It's like Marvel's <laughs> uh, uh, Robbie Reyes. Yeah. But they don't know what it is. <laughs> Jessica Cruz has that problem. Yeah. Anywho. Um, so Hal moses off, leaves the, uh, the lesser lanterns to the side and goes to meet with the singer. <laughs> Stephen's like, why'd you guys slag on my boy John <laughs> like that? And thought we were friends. And so he meets with the one remaining guardian mm-hmm. is a younger female guardian. Yes. The, all the old wizard ones have gone away. So she's like, listen, <laughs> she's like, look, uh, it's time to seek replacements for our departed guardians. Mm-hmm. And Hal's like, how do you do that? Ancient wise immortal beatings don't just grow on trees. And she's like, they grow. In fact, they grow on in the body orchids of Mother Juna on the planet Maltus. And you're going to go there. Right. 
And uh, he's like, okay. And she's like, and you're taking a partner. And he's like, I don't need a partner. And she's like, hey, meet your partner, special officer Rick Katoro. It's that <laughs> walking crystal salt guy. And Cal's yeah. like, are you, is someone trolling me? Did I get punked? What's going on here? You just, even with the mask, you still see that look of, God damn it. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And he's like, my partner is intelligent Rochelle Salt with zero experience. Really? Do I have to have this? Yeah. And, and this, this dude's like, this outgrowth is intelligent salt. <laughs> My partner is intelligent water, referring to Hal. Yes. And so he's like, you know, together many may our elements combine as an ocean of open-minded collaboration. It's like, this is that this character talks like. And Hal, the look at Hal's face is just like, oh my God, someone shoot me right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the Guardian then tells him, be uh, careful though, because oh, Malthus unfortunately has collapsed into neo-barbarism. So be careful. We cut to Malthus. And we yes, cut to neo-barbarism. Neo-barbarism. <laughs> The birthplace of the Guardians of the Universe, and it's a bunch of uh, monkeys battling uh, soldiers. Yes. Yes. Like Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, these soldiers are like, yeah, we've been overrun. The Evolverators run wild. The, the Primorgs are upon us. The Primorgs are the monkey soldiers. Mm-hmm. And so we then see Mother Juna, like, you know, at her machine, and uh, she tells the the whatever the creature she's working with it's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here steven because yeah. it's grant morrison i like it don't get me wrong oh, sure. i like it um anyhow the point is the uh monkey soldiers the the uh what are they called the pre primorgs primorgs yeah. overrun everyone and they capture mother juna mm-hmm. before she's able they capture it, she takes this little crystal and puts it in this machine and says the seed is planted Mm-hmm. And then the monkeys start burning everything in the lab, right? Yep. Then we see Hal and his crystal salt friend landing there, <laughs> and uh, Hal's like, and uh, Hal's like, "Oh no, they burnt all the infant guardians in their pods. This is bad." And then the monkeys attack them, and they start fighting, and they're fighting, and uh, unfortunately, and then the crystal dude, because I can't pronounce his name, Rick. We're gonna call him Rick. Rick. Yeah, Rick. Uh, notices some video footage of Mother Juna putting the seed in the machine, Mm -hmm. right? And so he's like, hey, we might be, everything might be okay. So Hal and uh, Rick, Rick finds the little seed thingy that Mm -hmm. she put into the machine. He grabs it and he goes, hmm, this seed is imprinted with a powerful gene code. Maybe we can use this to find Mother Juna. Right. Okay. So long and short of it, we find that Mother Juno is hooked up to a massive machine that the monkeys have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, oh, no, these, these, no, so these are the other creatures that she's created. She's right. created the monkeys and she's created the centaurs. Right. The centaurs, the cyorgs are the, the monkeys. The centaurs are like the master computer people. Right. That run the computer. Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Okay. Yeah. It's a lot. Grant Morrison's thrown a lot at you in a short yeah. amount of time. <laughs> okay, so our heroes fly off over there to where Mother Juno is. They're battling the bad guys to try to get her out of the machine, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the battle, Rick's gun mm-hmm. gets broken. Yeah. Oh, no. He's now pretty much useless. Yes. So Hal uses powering to shoot a laser into our Rick. And his structure refracts the beam hmm. and shoots all these gorillas and shrinks them. Yeah. 
What's interesting is Hal goes, when he shoots the beam, goes, get them all at once. Shrink ray. And then goes, wait a minute. Was the shrink ray my idea or the your ring. idea, Ring? And yeah. the Ring goes, don't sweat the details, Lantern. <laughs> when did that ever happen before? Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And then we see um, how taking out the rest of the uh, bad guys, right? And how does he take out the apes, Stephen? He transforms them from monkey into like a, like a, I don't know, a lizard or something. Isn't that it? He kind of like de-evolves them. Yeah, that's what it looks like. He's he's breaking them down to wherever whatever their, their it was they were ge- before. The genetic yeah. base was, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Hal looks at his ring and he goes, that's an interesting upgrade. And the ring goes, there's more where that came from, Jordan. This was just a field test. So Ooh. Hal Jordan has got a massive power upgrade through. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're led to believe, I believe it would be the new the power battery. Power battery, yeah. right? So now we've established not only is Hal just the best guy ever in, in, in the Green Lantern Corps <laughs> when he's equipped with a regular power ring. Mm-hmm. Now he has additional powers that all the common run-of-the-mill Green Lanterns don't have. Right. As it should be, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, our heroes free uh, Mother Juno. And she's like, you know, I had all everything in control anyway. I'm just running experiments. I'm just running tests. This is all part of my test, you know. I'm just saying how long it takes society to break down. This society <laughs> took three generations to break down. Mm-hmm. That's all. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how long it takes, how many generations it takes. And our heroes are like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Anyhow. <Why? laughs> um, Mother Juno gets a little seed. Boop, 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 boop. Puts it in the machine. Uh-huh. She's like, I'm blending Guardians, Amoran, Controller DNA to create the ultimate being. The Guardians were ancient when the universe was young, so theirs, these successors will be different. They'll know what it is to love and to die, to change and to feel, to own their own future as young Guardians. And now mm-hmm. we see, cut back to Oa, and we have unveiled the young Guardians. Mm-hmm. They're young. Yeah. They're the young guardians. And they're guardians. And they're blue. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so uh, evidently the young guardians now say, hey, guys, we got a problem. There's someone out there who has um, uh, uh, some, of the, some throne world um, has done something evil in some throne world. We don't really know what it is. Right. It's something bad. It's going to have massive repercussions across the entire sector. Right? Mm-hmm. The perpetrators on the run is highly dangerous. This being has murdered a Green Lantern with his with its bare hands. It's an it. Bare hands, very strong to murder a Green Lantern. Right. And we know that where the killer has chosen to hide. The chosen, they, they've chosen Earth and Hal Jordan. You must transfer there immediately, and you must remain there until the threat is identified and eliminated. Yeah. There it is, Stephen. Earlier, mm-hmm. we were talking about how he can't go back to Earth because yep. it's like too boring. Too boring, <laughs> too small. He'd go crazy and insane. Yeah. Guess where he's got to go back? Earth. Earth. So we see Hal... Back on Earth, like in America Southwest, mm-hmm. hitchhiking, truck driver stops with a Leonard Skinner shirt on. Yep. Where are you going, man? And Hal's like... So it's Carol Danvers? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. It's Carol picks him up in her <laughs> Leonard Skinner t-shirt. And she's all... Ting! <laughs> They're chewing tobacco. And she's like, where are you going, Hal? And he's like, I don't even know who the president is this year. Hit the pedal and I got a story to tell you. Take me to the nearest bar. There's the end of the issue. Steven. It's a lot to unpack. That's a very dense story. Yes. I just recapping this issue is not easy. There is yeah. a lot. 
a lot crammed into this issue. Yeah. It is incredibly dense. It is incredibly mm. complex. It is chock full of content. I yes. mean, this is an issue, Stephen, you read like three times. Yeah. To get it all. Mm-hmm. Which I love. This is why I love Grant Morrison. This is not oh, yeah. bad things. These are all good things. Green Lantern, season two, number one, what'd you think? Well, um, <laughs> well, like you said, um, it did feel like reading this and oddly enough, reading Birds of Prey, it's like, are these issues longer somehow? <laughs> but, um, you know, not in a bad way. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on, dude. Um, so This okay. is not decompressed storytelling. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's it's not overwhelming no. either. No, 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 no. Which he can do that sometimes. Oh, great. It can, can be too much. Like, he, oh he my can. God. Okay. I, I'll admit to that. Um, as someone who's read his Green Lantern, so this is kind of, it's not, this doesn't phase me because right. he, he, he's done this for right. 12 issues right. already. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 it's the same as his other issues. I've really dug it. Yep. I think that he brings the right amount of, um, of himself <laughs> to it. Yes. Without overwhelming it. I think it's still very, it might be his most accessible possibly title since maybe his justice league. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, it's still a lot of fun. There's still a lot of good humor mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. I, th- it's, um, very imaginative. Oh, of course. Yes. I mean, as someone who, you know, we talk about writers losing his their words. I don't think he'll ever lose his words. No, he's no, he no. having read his book, like his that super gods book where yeah, else talks about himself. Yeah. That dude is he's weird. He is. But he is, but I love it. Exactly. <laughs> and um I just and I know that when this started out, we had talked about it and you were so that you're not really a big fan of like the English style of art like that right. Sharp has. Right, right, right. Um, well, I dig it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think it's very, I think it fits a lot with mm-hmm. what Grant Morrison's trying to tell. It's very, um, it's detailed enough. It is, yep. Um, it kills it with those, with the action poses. Yes. I oh, love yeah, those. yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, it just it gives you enough of that sense of just the weird, w- wonderful yes. world of the DC universe. Yep, and um, like the stuff with the the neo uh, the the neo barbarism. Yes, um, I mean that. Now that of course has screamed of others like of other British comics that I've seen. Like oh the, yeah, the more post-apocalyptic whatever ones mm-hmm. but i mean i liked it i think it has some good visual gags as well because mm-hmm. it has a giant monkey that hal jordan defeats by sending three world war one airplanes into it like <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> but it doesn't ever call attention king to that. kong exactly. <laughs> yeah that was something i picked up like flipping through it again i was like Wait a minute. I didn't get that in the second reading, too. <laughs> I did. On, on, on my second reading, I was like, oh, King Kong got it right. Good job. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, the fact that it is as dense as it is. I, I love it when writers write because they want you to read it again. I love that, too. I love when writers demand, demand from the reader to read the issue 
two or three times yeah. to truly get everything they were trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of writing. Yeah, I love me it. too. Especially given how expensive comic books are this day, Stephen. Yeah. With how expensive comic books are, I feel like it's 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 incumbent upon the writer to deliver a story that does demand two or three readings. Yeah. And then that 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 goes bad, kind of like Jonathan Hickman, where it's like, okay, well, I need, I should go back and read the other stuff that I've gotten before, yes, to get you know context stuff like that, yes. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested as to how these new powers of that Hal Jordan has came about. I'm really fascinated by this. He seems to have gotten a phenomenally huge power upgrade, Steve. This is not yes. just a little power bump. This mm-hmm. is like. He might be one of the most powerful characters in the DCU. Yeah. Power bump. Hmm. I mean, am I misreading it? I mean, this, I, this seems to be that level of power bump. And I mean, I know that the the ring has been a little more talkative lately, but I, it seems like there's something going on yes. with it. Yes, absolutely. And that makes me a little, well, not nervous as like in this. I'm nervous as for Hal Jordan. Right. Like what right, is right. going to happen with this thing? Cause right. That's never a good sign. No, ever, no, 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 so. no, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I dig it as much as I've dug all of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern work. I yep. thought he's done a fantastic job, not just um, repeating what Johns and Venditti have done already, but doing something really different. Absolutely, and it's and it's paid off. I mean, I love, I love his Hal Jordan. I love, yeah, me too. Um, just this weird young guardian scenario yep. i know it seems kind of trite and cheesy but he makes it work somehow absolutely um and just the stuff that he's obviously setting up for the back like in the background like about the the new reality and all this stuff i i love how he does that because yes. he did that with doomsday clock too even halfway yep. through that event he was still talking about oh yeah the book of always has a symbol on it you know yep so i'd I dig it. Uh, if he's sticking around and he's actually involved in that whole thing, then I'll be much more confident about it. <laughs> oh, you're talking <laughs> like Generations? Yeah. Five, generation he, 5, If whatever. he's involved in the planning, then I feel a little bit more confident. Right, but right. But that's because that's he loves this stuff. Oh, absolutely he agree. really loves it. Absolutely agree. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I just, I, I really dig it a lot. You know, I'm right there with you. I don't have a lot more to add to that, Stephen. This is phenomenal writing. Mm -hmm. What I said about Hickman for Marvel on the X-Men is what I would say about Grant Morrison on Green Lantern for DC. Uh, Hickman and Morrison simply deliver a story on an entirely different level than Mm -hmm. everybody else. They just do. They just do. You get, it's a level of writing no one else is going to come close to. Right. It is. Mm-hmm. It's what Hickman and Morrison are doing. And Morrison, a little bit more on the insane side than Hickman. Of course. Hickman is a little mm-hmm. more, uh, little more. I don't want to say grounded, but a little more, you know, not drug-induced like Morrison <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Mor- Morrison's a little more fantastical. Right. And, Absolutely. but it's, 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 the, those two guys are delivering a level writing you're not going to get anywhere else. And mm-hmm. Morrison shows here, it's, it's the, the complexity, the density of his story is phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. You have to read this multiple times. And mm-hmm. I love that. There's so much going on here. It's amazing plotting. It's well paced. Yeah. 
It's really well paced. It's got a great flow to the story. You get a fair bit of action. So mm-hmm. it's not a dull talky issue no. at all. You get plenty of action to keep it lively. Um, despite it having a lot of Grant Morrison style uh, aspects to it, I agree with you that I still say this is some of Grant's more accessible stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should be scared away. This is not Final Crisis. No. You know, no, 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 no. I, this I, is not Seven Soldiers of Victory. No, no, no. Or no. anything like that. No, no. no. I, I think it's still fairly accessible. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to read the issue a couple times. Sure. You're going to want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to uncover. you got to be psyched up and ready to go. You got to. Yes. He requires the reader to do some work. <laughs> he requires the reader to engage their brain. This is mm-hmm. not just passive consume cotton candy and move on to the next thing. Right. He wants to challenge the reader and get you involved and mm-hmm. get you immersed. And that's what I want. Yeah. Especially when I'm paying five bucks a, a pop for a comic book. Okay. So I'm with you. I like it. I like the Young Guardians. I think it's a neat idea. It's something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I trust Morrison. Normally, anything called the Young Guardians sounds cheesy. Like, oh, young. Anything with the word young in it. It's like, oh, well, it's 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 all new, all different. Yeah. It's You know what I mean? It, but in any other writer, I would be worried. Mm-hmm. But with Grant Morrison, you know what? Not a problem. Yeah. You've built up currency with me. I have faith in you. Yep. Let's see where you go with it. So I'm excited to see what he does with this new, these new Guardians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how he writes Hal Jordan. I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> he's made Hal Jordan. I've always loved Hal Jordan, but he's really helped give Hal a personality. Mm-hmm. A clearly defined personality. Right. Which he's needed. Oh, yeah. He has needed. And, I, and that's as a Hal fan. Mm-hmm. He needs that. And Morrison has really done that. I like his personality. He's got a real personality, finally. Yes. And um, he's a badass. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, his power upgrade is fascinating. And I'm really excited to learn more about his power upgrade. I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see him back on Earth. That is something we have not seen in a long time. Yep. And I love, I love how Morrison is such... You know, we've, we get lost in his wild imagination, his mm-hmm. high-concept story arcs. But at the end of the day... He he still has the meat and potatoes technical aspects to his writing. That's right. And I think that goes overlooked because of his high concept stuff. Yeah. But he is just on a very basic level, he is still a technical writer. Mm-hmm. He knows the basics and how to properly construct a story. Right. He showed you Jordan talking about Earth in the beginning. It's, now where is and he now pay it off with that. Yep. That's that's just good basic writing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's cool to see a high concept writer like Morrison mm-hmm. show you that basic storytelling is just, everyone's got to do basic storytelling. That's right. They don't care how high concept you want to be. You still <laughs> got to do basic storytelling. It's kind of cool to see someone like him do that. Yeah. Because you don't think about is. that with him. You no, know? Well, you definitely don't. <laughs> no. Uh, but, it, but so I, I really am interested in that. Yeah, I think he ends the story with a great hook ending. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where we go. I'm excited about the new powers and learning more. I'm excited about the the emerging personality and talkativeness of his power ring mm-hmm. and see where we go with that. I'm excited to see him back on Earth, see where we go with that. I'm excited to see who this big villain is. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lot to be excited about, yeah. a lot to be excited about. I'm excited about the new Guardians. There's so much to be excited about. Mm-hmm. It's really... It's a really, really good read. Right now, I think Grant Morrison's Green Lantern is probably the best thing coming out of DC mm-hmm. right now. One of the best things. I really sure. like what Scott Snyder's doing, sure. too. And I like what Venditti's doing. And I like what Joshua Williamson's doing. I like that. There's a lot that I like over in D.C., okay? Yeah. But <laughs> Morrison's Greenland is pretty special. It is. And it's highly unique. Oh, yeah. I would say so. And, and I, would, I would recommend it to anybody because I think even if you've been shy away from Morrison, you don't need to. You don't need to be with this. 
Yeah. It's open to you. Um, I like Sharp's art. Mm-hmm. You're right. I've, I've never, I, I don't dislike that really British style of art. It's just, right. it's not my go-to style of art. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and when I see it, I just like, Oh, there it is. It's just, it's just so got yeah. it. Right. I see it. It's just very, you know, but I like it. And I will give Sharp one thing. He is extremely talented at drawing a very pert butt for Hal Jordan. Steven, tell mm-hmm. me. Come on. There are a lot of butt shots of Hal Jordan. There are. And the butt is very pert. You could bounce a quarter off his ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steven. How would you create the Green Lantern season two, number one? <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, uh, straight nines. It's. It's about as good as anything you're going to get out of DC right now. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Yep. I will go the story. I'll give it 10 night girls out of 10. Oh, there you go. That's my boy, Grant. I got to I got I to give him the high score. The art, I will go uh, eight night girls out of 10. Okay. Yep. It's good mm-hmm. art. It matches Morrison's story perfectly. It yes. does. I may not like it on other titles. On this one, it is the proper match. Mm-hmm. Proper match, no doubt. All right, Steven. Last one up. Mm-hmm. Superman, Heroes, Number one, right. save this one for last. You're the big Superman fan. You're of the, of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Steven's the big Superman fan here. Yes. So I'm really more excited. Not really interested. In, I've reviewed this on the comic book revolution already. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can go to comicrevolution.com and check out my review for it. I'm more interested in your opinion. Okay. Okay. Then mine, I've already posted my reviews. People sure. can see my review. Go to the website. You can see my review there. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can get my opinion there. This is really more about Steven as a <laughs> Superman fan. Since yes. I am not a fan of the franchise, mm-hmm. really more interested in your take on it. Okay. Okay. This issue basically begins with a flashback scene in Smallville. Clark comes home from school upset about something that happened during that day. Mm-hmm. He's frustrated. He can't just use his powers to solve his problems at school. Pa Kent gives him sage advice, right? Yep. Pa demonstrates his trademark love, kindness, and patience with Clark. Uh, he reassures Clark that he knows and understands what Clark is going through. Pa says that Clark can make mistakes and then try again the next day to do better. Right. And all Clark has to ask is, what is the best thing he can do right now and then do it? All Clark needs to be is himself at his honest best. Mm-hmm. We then cut to the day before. The day before would be the day that uh, before Superman reveals the world that he's Clark Kent. Right. Lois tells Clark that if he wants to change his mind, that she'll support him. Lois then reveals to Clark that Lex Luthor gave her a metal box last week. Lois says that if Clark is going to, review, to reveal his secret identity, then he needs to deal with what is inside the box first. Right. We shift to the present. He's already revealed his identity. Mm-hmm. Present time. He's flying to Metropolis. People are calling him Clark Kent. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, some, kids say, some kids say that they prefer to continue to call Superman Superman rather than Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. As do I. Superman flies <laughs> to the Hall of Justice. Superman <laughs> needs to hear from his teammates about what they think of his decision to reveal his secret identity. Mm-hmm. Superman appreciates their honesty and needs the perspectives. Well, Stephen, I say at this point, isn't it a bit damn late for that? Since he's already revealed his secret identity to the public, shouldn't this scene have taken place prior to revealing his secret identity? I mean, if he really values their honesty, values their perspectives, Mm -hmm. and he needs their honesty and perspectives, then the whole point of people's getting your friends honest feedback, Stephen, is to make a a difficult decision, is that you get it to them before you make your difficult decision. Yes. It's utterly useless to do it after you've revealed your secret identity. This this is basic storytelling. Mm -hmm. This is like storytelling 101. (laughs) <laughs> am I, am I, did this stick out to you or am I just being unfair? Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, the, logically, yes, that doesn't make much sense. <laughs> so, I mean, 
It's it, it, yeah. It kind of um, it kind of just speaks to the to the to the nature of what this issue is. Yes. So I don't know. It it was it was like a okay, <laughs> whatever, right. and just just move on, move on. Right. So he lands into the Hall of Justice, and there he all the members of the Justice League are there. Mm-hmm. Stephen, first of all, we get. I want to point out to you. This group shot, you see blue and gold, baby. Yep. That's right. Booster Gold, <laughs> Ted Cord, except no substitutes. Yes. Uh, and I have to say also, why is Harley Quinn there? Uh, Since when has yeah, she been a Justice I, Leaguer? Harley Quinn? What? Yeah, there were some people in what? there. I was like, what? Damian Wayne? Okay. He's a Teen Titan. Yeah. I, okay, whatever. Yep. We, we then get two pages of tiny panels of talking heads giving us the reactions of the various Justice Leaguers. Wonder Woman supports Superman. Not a shock. Batman sure. thinks it's stupid. Not a shock. Of course. Damien <laughs> thinks it's dumb. Not a shock. Zatanna says she can't use her magic to undo what Superman has just done. Okay. okay. John Constantine thinks Superman is stupid. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dr. Fate wants Superman to meet him privately at his tower at midnight. Uh, okay, that was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll just leave that one there, Stephen, and move on. Barry Allen says he would never reveal a secret entity. Well, it's because Barry's smart, um, yeah. and he wouldn't risk, put his loved ones at risk. Hawkman says he relishes in Superman's happiness. Okay. That's a weird answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jessica Cruz says that she um, likes pudding. Uh, Aquaman tells Superman that this is all stupid. Okay. Plastic Man yucks it up about how people thought he was Superman. Plastic Man then bemoans that how Superman's flimsy disguise of glasses fooled Plastic Man. Mr. Terrific then acts like a spaz and is played for laughs by talking about how this is a great social experiment. Steven, mm-hmm. Mr. Terrific, you know the character. You've read the character in the past. Yeah. Did this at any point even remotely look to you like no. Mr. I'll, Ter- I'll just go ahead and answer no. It I, does not. It does not look like that. I mean, this scene was either written by <laughs> Bendis or Fraction. We know that. Because yes. we, we, there's only three writers, mm-hmm. right? I guess I should have said that at the beginning of the review. Brian, <laughs> the words are Brian Bendis, Matt Fraction, and Greg Rucka. We know yes. Greg Rucka wrote the Wonder Woman Batman scene because it's Wonder Woman and Batman, mm-hmm. right? So the rest of the issue is written by Bendis or Fraction. Mm-hmm. And it reads like it. Yes. So this scene was either done by Bendis or Fraction. Take your pick. Right. Neither writer has ever shown an ability to research a character. <laughs> Or give a fuck about a character's personality before they take over a title. Or let a character's established personality get in the way of their witty dialogue. Right. That was just bad. Th- that was bad. Like, jump off the page at you bad. Yeah, I agree. And Mr. Trevor's a great character. He, he, he deserves better character. than that. Yeah. Um, anyhow. So then um, we cut to uh, Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. high on a mountaintop. He yells the name Clark Kent. Superman suddenly appears on the scene and says, is everything okay? Booster replies, he's happy Clark revealed the secret identity. Booster says that there were several times where he al- almost accidentally revealed Superman's, Superman's secret identity. Booster says that all the school kids in his time period, the 25th century, which is mm-hmm. 500 years before the Legion, right? without Legion, the Legion was 30. Maybe Booster's not the 26th century because the Legion's now 31st century. I don't know if his time, timeline slid up to whatever. It's 500 years before the Legion. We know that. Right. Um, <laughs> the, um, that all kids know the name Clark Kent. Booster says he won't spoil anything, but what comes next is going to be amazing. That is a true statement, Stephen. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, it could be amazingly bad mm. or amazingly good, but we know it'll be amazing. Sure. 
course. <laughs> we hop over to Wayne Manor, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I will, since I'm really more interested in your opinion, when I finish the review, I will say, submit at this point, for me, this was the clear high point of the issue. I thought this scene absolutely bitch slapped every other scene in this issue. <laughs> to pieces. Um, I will also admit that I, uh, I, I am buying, buying, buying all day the pairing of Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne. Correct. I've always loved that pairing. I've always thought we should get that pairing. Mm-hmm. I think that pairing is fantastic. I think it's compelling. It could lead to some amazing stories. I don't know why, Stephen. I've just, I, I am obsessed with the pairing of Bruce Wayne and Wonder Woman. I don't know why I think it will work so well. I just do. I just do. <laughs> Are you buying that relationship? I mean, I buy it. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to see it? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, if Greg Rucka's writing it, then of course. Yes. I'd be down with that. <laughs> so we're at Wayne Manor. We see Bruce Wayne at his parents' graves. One woman appears on the scene. Bruce says he's in no mood for company. One woman then asks if Bruce wants to talk about it. I, it's, it's so perfect. <laughs> I don't want to move for company. So you want to talk about it? It's, it's, it is so perfect, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's so well played. Bruce says no, then walks away into the mansion. Mm-hmm. We then see one woman just casually wandering through the mansion. Mm-hmm. And then she walks into the kitchen where Bruce is making tea. And Bruce has that look of like, you're still here, mm-hmm. which is great. And the woman sits down. One woman sits down and just smiles at Bruce and just waits. <laughs> it's like a couple panels, even where she's just like smiling and just waiting. No dialogue. And then finally, Bruce is like, You want some tea? And she's like, I would love some. It's even, this is so well played. Mm-hmm. And this is a great combination of artist and uh, writer. Yeah. Don't you think? I think so, yeah. Because he's letting the art carry the story here. Rucka lets the art carry the story. Did this work for you? I thought this was brilliant character interplay. Well, of course it is. It's it's Greg Rucka with Batman and Wonder Woman. It's two characters that we know he can write. Yes. But yes, it was very good. Very well done. The two sip tea, and Bruce says that Superman revealing his secret identity is a bad idea. Bruce mm-hmm. says that this will put everyone at risk that Superman knows. This will put greater scrutiny on Superman. This could lead to the compromising the Justice League. Wonder Woman asks, what is this really all about? We then shift to Bruce and Danny in the Batcave. I like how they progress from different areas, too. Yeah. <laughs> Indicating this conversation wasn't just like a five-minute conversation. Right. This is like, a, like she's there all afternoon. Mm-hmm. Lois said, uh, um, then uh, uh, Wonder Woman says she thought Batman would be happy for Clark, Lois, and John. Bruce says that when someone says they're speaking their truth is just a way of hiding their selfishness behind the veneer of agency. It's another way of saying that what they want is more important than anyone else and what that anyone else may desire or need or care about. It's an excuse to disregard others. Batman's speaking some truth here, Stephen. He's yeah. straight truth right there. Mm-hmm. Woman, Wonder Woman agrees that Batman certainly, you know, what he says certainly could be the case, but when has Superman ever been selfish? Batman says there's always a first time. Perfect response. Uh, Wonder Woman says that Superman has done something that Batman can't replicate. Batman has always been able to match or meet everything else. Sometimes Batman even does it better, mm-hmm. but not this time, meaning a family. Bruce says he does not want to be jealous of Clark, Lois, and John. Most of the time he's not, but sometimes he wonders what it would like to be a family, to have a family like Clark. Diana says maybe Bruce will have one one day. Bruce says he wouldn't hold his breath. All right, we leave the best scene of the issue, Stephen. We go to Superman visiting his high school science teacher, Mr. McKay, and Mr. McKay's like, hey, you know, I know I pushed you hard, um, but you're a good kid. When you got knocked down, you always got back up again, and when I heard the news you were Superman, I was not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. All right, we then cut to, okay. so, yeah, right? We cut to Lois and Superman in a large warehouse with three massive piles of letters. One is full of hate mail. One pile is full of requests for autographs. One pile is full of people in desperate need for help. Lois says that this mail is actually for her. The mail for Clark is in the warehouse next door. 
We then cut to Superman meeting Jimmy Olsen. Superman asks if the two are, of them are okay. Superman apologized for never telling Jimmy a secret identity. Jimmy says that the two of them are fine. Jimmy also says that he already knew Clark was Superman. Jimmy said the first time he thought they were, that he said at first he thought there were only two people on Earth that called him Jim. Then Jimmy realized there was only one. Aww. Jimmy finishes uploading his file for uh, work, and then Jimmy asks Superman for a lift, and then we see Superman carrying Jimmy as they fly through the air. And Jimmy's wearing, like, World War II, you know, like, pilot helmet and goggles or whatever. Or more like World War I. Uh, we then get an epilogue with Lois and Superman at the Fortress of Solitude. Lois and Clark have examined the information in the metal box from Lex. It is proof that Marisol Leone is the leader of Metropolis's Invisible Mafia. Leone is the owner of the Daily Planet. Lois says if they publish the information, they will vanquish Lex's newest competitor for him and bury the Daily Planet. Superman says that they have to tell the truth. Lois says that this truth is going to ruin their lives and the lives of almost everyone they love. Superman gets an angry look on his face and says, Lex Luthor, end of issue, Steven. Superman heroes number one. Tell me about this fluff piece. Um, well, it's definitely a fluff piece. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, there's no contesting, no arguing that. Um, it's... <sighs> It's oddly constructed to me because it's just like, well, the Justice League scene is off to me because, like you said, it's like a okay, we well don't don't say you're getting their opinions like like you're asking them. Just mm-hmm. say you're going to deal with the aftermath. The aftermath, yeah. And that would have it wouldn't have saved it, but it would have made it make more sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Just these little things that mm-hmm. should be tweaked. Um, I I don't uh, the thing about characters in the group shots. I know it's never going to be a hundred percent logical. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, that didn't bother the Mr. Terrific stuff did. It was like Mr. Terrific would respond kind of similar to Batman. He's Absolutely. Very, yes. He's a hundred percent like analytical and he logical. Is. And he is. Yes. Not like that. No, no, um, no. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, um, <laughs> Weird, yeah. Um, to to be kind, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, I, th- I don't know. It, it was it was just another like okay, it's something that comes along here. Um, but after that, I kind of just settled it. Okay, this is what it's gonna be. So just kind of take it for what it is. I I like the booster gold scene. It makes mm-hmm. sense yep, that yep, he yep. would that he would know absolutely right. Yeah, and that he would he's had to keep it secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so, not his forte. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Being so I, slick, <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose we should be we should be impressed. Yes, but um, it's uh, um. So yeah, that was that was fun. Um, the art throughout is really great. Just that's a consistent. Yeah, the, each each story gets a different artist, and the art is Kevin McGuire, Mike Perkins, Steve Lever, Mike Norton, and Scott Gold Godlewski. So that's your art team, and right. you're, you're, each each little each little story gets their own artist, right? Um, and they all do a great job. Yes, agreed. So I just want to get the 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 constant the consistent phrase out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the the story with Superman and his teacher, like it, because it's a fluff piece, it it didn't bother me. It was it was cute. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was it it was another one of those you know it plays on the the theme from Jonathan Kent early on that you know you just do what you can don't you know pretty much you know another power and responsibility conversation and it carries through to that one so it's it's like well okay I mean I I like the I like the idea. Mm-hmm. And going back and talking to your old professor, it would be something Superman would do. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and maybe it's just me because that would be what I would do when mm-hmm. the professor starts asking about what the some answer to something is, and, super, and he turns around and Superman has flown off. That would that would have been me. Oh, yeah, the complex of the, the yeah. science question. He's like, I'm so, out. Nope, yeah, I don't think so. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that would have, I I laughed at that because that I I relate to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the scene with Batman and Wonder Woman is amazing. Yes. Um, yes. I really like the, I mean, it's real. it's really the, it's not just the contrast between their opinions on it. I mean, of course we know Batman is not going to like it. Wonder Woman's supports it. We, we got that earlier. Yeah, for sure. It's the way that she, it's how she deals with Batman. Yeah. I like how she deals with him. <laughs> Her hand in dealing with him. It's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and she it's, and she deals with him without by leading him by mm-hmm. not by not fighting against the current. Right. Yeah, she leads him to her point. It's great. Yeah. I mean the whole like sitting there and just smiling. Mhm. And then when you like, finally I know off, you're going to give me the tea. And so when you finally off the tea, <laughs> not replying well. <laughs> thanks for finally asking. It was like yeah. I'd love some. Yeah. Like it's 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 that it's not <laughs> not swimming against the current. Right. She's she's going with the current mm-hmm. and then trying to flow it in the direction she wants it to go. Yes. And and it's just it's one of those things it shows how long she's known him. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah she yeah, doesn't yeah, have yeah. to fight. She knows right. that he'll get there. Right. And that she knows what she's saying is true. Right. And I thought that was great. I mean, we've yeah. had um, had some pretty good like Superman Batman comparison like mm-hmm. this is them and they whatever, but I really thought that the um the thing about that Batman is jealous of Superman is very mm-hmm. that's always a very compelling idea, mm-hmm. um and not just for like the practical well I clean up all of Gotham blah, 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 oh, because right, like right right because no, family because of his family because Superman is happy yeah it's I I really like that a lot. I think sometimes people miss the fact that Batman should always be written as someone who has serious mental problems. Yes. He's not a healthy person. No, he's, he's sick not. in the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes that gets lost because he's, he's, he becomes almost godlike in his ability to do, to always to win. To do anything, yeah. And to, do, and to outperform everyone. Mm-hmm. That he becomes nearly godlike. Yep. And people forget that he should always be written that he's someone serious, really clinical mental problems mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and um and just uh i mean you know somebody who <laughs> who 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 wants to be like superman mm-hmm. deep down right but can't be yep. because he has to be batman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And batman can't be batman if he's more like superman exactly um and um, so yeah, that I mean that was that was great. I've always loved how he writes both of those characters, yes. especially together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah so totally. Um, and then after that, um, was the epilogue after that? 
Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> there, 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 there were a oh, lot. Oh, no, the Jimmy Olsen scene. Jimmy Olsen scene. I, I kind of like that one. I think it was a little too drawn out. That could have been done in half the amount of pages. Yes. I So I do agree with that one, um, with your critique on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, I do, you know, I, I, I really like that Superman felt guilty about not telling him. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very sweet. And very Superman. And very Superman-like. Um, and it was, I mean, it was just, it was, it was nice, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, lo- I like the, even though he has that weird helmet and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I thought it was a nice World War One aviator helmet. Exactly. The leather helmet with the goggles. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's like, that's really nice. And, um, it's like, oh, cute picture. Okay, cool. <sighs> and the epilogue, it's, it's whatever. It's, um. If the if it had been like a current through the whole thing, or right. if I was remembering from the Superman title or Action Comics, whichever one, might have had more impact on me. But yeah, at there it just it just didn't. So it kind of kind of fell a little, it fell flat for it me. Kind of a met ending. Yeah, yeah, it was flat. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I yeah, I I love Superman. I think and. Other than having him say stupid things, I think he's written consistently yes. well, mm-hmm. or written to you know to character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's a th- it's always the problem with these with these things that have short stories. Even the thou- the one thousand issues, it's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. okay, well, none of these have really. They're just a bunch of little random vignettes. Yeah, right. They don't connect to anything or whatnot, and sometimes they don't. Hard even... not to be fluffy. Yes. Yep. yep. And um, and given that this was more expensive, I think that is six dollars, Stephen. Six dollars. Yeah. Oof. That's I don't I don't agree with that. Cool. But um. Yeah. So that's that's, that's ridiculous. Obscene. It is. Um. But. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, uh, I couldn't recommend it for the cover price. I couldn't either at all. No. I love the Batman Wonder Woman scene, but nah, 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 six bucks. No, 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 no. You, yeah. you, you gotta bring me, you gotta bring more to the game. If you want $6 for I a agree. single comic, you know? Yeah. What do you think as a, as a diehard Superman fan, what do you think about the idea of him revealing a secret identity? I was... I was not a fan. Mm-hmm. Still not really a fan. I mean, it's not out of the bounds of reality that he would do that. Mm-hmm. Because he... I mean, I feel like he would be a, so trusting that he would do that. What's the upside to it? I have. I, I mean, I don't know. That's I, think, what, that's, that's, I guess that's my biggest problem. Yeah. Is just, just looking at it... Just looking at it just analytically. Sure. What's the downside to it? All of his loved ones mm-hmm. and his friends and his family could be instantly killed because of this. Mm-hmm. And he can't stop all that from happening. No. That, that, he can't do it. Mm-hmm. And what's the upside? <laughs> People know you're Clark Kent. You don't have to worry about putting up pretenses. I don't see the upside. I certainly don't see an upside that outweighs the downside. Sure. And so to me, it just it's it's a decision uh, by Bendis that just makes Superman look stupid. 
Yeah, I. Th- and I don't think you ever want to make your hero <laughs> look stupid. No. Now I will say, given that most of his friends are already targeted by people, it's like, well, well yeah. you're not really gonna, <laughs> right? <laughs> gonna have one of a. It's not gonna be much of a status quo change. There, <laughs> but um. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't. I don't particularly care for the, and I do not like people calling him Clark Kent instead of Superman. Ugh, yeah, I don't he like that. He's Superman. Right. Yep. Call him Superman. Yep. So yeah, I, mm, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess overall it's, it's a fluff, it's a fluff piece. I wasn't expecting it to be anything more than gotcha. fluffy. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it's it, just a, yeah. Okay. How would you grade uh <laughs> Superman heroes on born out then? Um, I would give, I will only give the writing a six because of the Greg Rucka story and because right. I, some of it, I like the Jimmy Olsen one, mm-hmm. it's a little long, but whatever. Yes. And the art, I'll give it an eight. I think it was great throughout. Um, God, do I want to give the writing a six though? <laughs> I'll just be, I'll just be generous. Okay. Give it a six. Okay. In the, okay. In the Superman spirit. I gotcha. I will go the <laughs> writing four night girls out of 10. Yes. And it, it, I would give the Greg Rucka Batman one room and scene ten night girls out of ten. Of course, as, as you should. Yes, and the art I'll give it seven night girls out of ten. It's it's all solid art. Okay. It's it's fine. I mean, not, nothing like blew me away, but it's all good art. You know what I mean? Good <laughs> sure, stuff. Sure, sure. All right, Stephen. That's it for this week. See, I got to tell you, Stephen. Uh, you know, a bit of a again. We we seem to bat about five hundred, don't we? We almost always bat 500. I think for this week, uh, we had uh, three hits. Yeah. Unqualified. Uh, certainly uh, clear hits in Green Lantern 1 mm-hmm. um, and uh, Harley Quinn and mm-hmm. Birds of Prey 1 and X-Men number 6. Right. Clear hits. Yeah. And then three that were uh, – well, two that were uh, – Two that were – Two that were just misses. Yeah. And one just – I, I – I think yeah, Stacy number one's, one's going to stick with me one. for a while, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> um, and you know what? Uh, I'm probably going to read a couple more issues of it just to mm-hmm. see. I, I just got to. I just got to. I just have to wrap my head around what yeah. Marvel's thinking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I won't mind reading the a couple more issues because the creative team is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm going to get a, a quality product. Mm-hmm. You know, a quality professional product. I agree. Just weird, isn't it? That that's the stumper for me. And honestly, Stephen, all the time that you and I have been reviewing comics, I don't think I've ever we've, you and I have ever come across an issue like Gwen Stacy no more that stumped us in that way, have we? I really can't think of one. Uh, no, we have not. It's the damnedest yeah. thing, isn't it? it uh, is. Very unexpected. <laughs> all right, my friend. Until next time, viva la revolution. <laughs>